recording. Cool. All right. What is it? Is it a late? Is eleven twenty-one Central Standard Time? Uh, where I am on the second day of March, twenty twenty-two, the third year of the plague and the first year of World War Three. Hold on. What are we holding for? My stogie. Where the hell is my stogie? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> we are what? Seven seven days? Is this seven days into World War Three? I don't care what they say. This is really I'm just gonna take one or two stupid screw ups. Why is everything in my house black? Don't I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I'm glad we're recording. Mm. Good freaking come on. This guy. What this the guy. heck? What the heck and a half? What in the poops and what in the what in the float soul and poop deck? So why you throw punch a midget. Oh, that's a good point. I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. I don't I'm not whatever people want to be called. Uh since you bring that up. The uh, what is that? What is the little person wrestling crew that's coming through here pretty quick? Uh, oh, the micro midget. wrestling pro micro wrestling. Yes, yeah, I gotta go check nice. that out this time. Under no circumstances, miss it. Yeah, right, right. Okay, we all know what we're doing. I spiked big time and turned myself down a little bit, spiked big time. All right, uh, yeah, we're gonna start the show in a sound sync clap in three. Two, one. Guys, <laughs> welcome to Minefields. It's been Tony, a good, it's Tony, been a, Tony. every time, <laughs> every time, every time. It's a good gimmick, but it's, yeah, it's a gimmick. It's definitely to, a gimmick. To be honest, all of Tony's gimmicks, I'm a little biased or pretty goddamn good. Tony, we love you. <laughs> eh. I wear a mask. I throw punch people. It is what it is. Throat punch. Show me. Show me. How do you perform a throat punch in your estimation? Is it like a? Well, you go it, upside it, down. An actual knuckles, pun- oh. knuckle up. Mm. Right here. In Very reminiscent of Kane in WWF. Oh yeah. It's circa '97. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Carry on. Case. Carry on. Post Hell in the Cell pre WrestleMania 14. <laughs> that's getting that's narrowing it down. Man, he knows his shit, man. You get that like four month span where it's just phenomenal. Mm. That's one of those things, man. Makes me proud. Like all of us are experts in our own region of whatever the hell we're experts in. <laughs> no bush leaguers here. Not at all. No jobbers. Yeah, no jobbers. Poor jobbers. But that's Tony it, it you don't like that term jobbers, do you? It's all right. It's a position. No, it's marks you don't like. Yeah, mar- marks is... It depends on... I think people exploit the term a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people... A lot of people utilize it without properly understanding what it means. There's a hard R version of it mm. in there. Like, when someone has the hate in their heart, when they say it, like, let's get the marks to do it. Like, I'm like, what? Like, they paid to be here. <laughs> like, hmm. it's, not even, it's not even something. Maybe to an extent that, but, like, it just really, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a derogatory term. 
people have tried to utilize it in different ways, but like really at the end of the day, it's just kind of, it, it, people utilize it without truly understanding where it came from. Where did it come from? Yeah, well, you know, obviously the carny days, carnivals, whatnot. The whole thing was they would put a mark on somebody. That way you knew that guy was a sucker. And he was easy oh, to uh, nice. to separate his se- separate the mark from his money. Oh. And the thing is, it's freaking a lot of people. A lot of people think they're above it, and it's kind of like the the whole thought process of the quote unquote smart marks are the easiest ones to fool because they think they're behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that tends to fall into quite a lot of people. Well, there, there are definitely those people that uh, are backstage that uh, don't necessarily belong back there, which is kind of a another you know interesting usage of the term. Well, that makes sense, man. Because like you know, there's like depending on how professional the the Fed is. And you've taught me this in our travels that, you know, like, hey, don't have your fucking girlfriend back there. Like, she doesn't belong there. Like, just period. Like, or when you were talking about how um, there is a couple uh, that wrestles um, throughout the uh, throughout the country that has wrestled with us that has kept it so professional. Like, um, you know, we're not going to, like, turn the corner and catch them making out or... or Slapping an ass, it's like it's it's there's there's a there's a rapport you have to have. There's a way you have to conduct yourself, and you know, dude, your your girlfriend and her two kids don't belong back here. Like, there's too much going on. Uh, not even just in the, in the way thing. That like this is our area. We 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 really need to feel safe here. Whether or not you know where the girls are dressing, make sure you don't go there. Um, or just mm. yeah, there's there's a lot of different ins and outs, man. And, and I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, like I said, part of it's, it's a respect thing. It's knowing, and uh, knowing your place doesn't sound like quite the right term. It sounds a little harsh, but. Yeah, it's not the rock. You know, definitely knowing, knowing where, where you shouldn't, you know, what you can and can't do in a given situation. And knowing, you know, as far as, you know, wrestling, knowing who you're performing for. You know, it, it's really cool to come back and tell every, and have everyone tell you you're great and your stuff doesn't stink, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, getting that actual reaction and, you know, getting the storyline across, getting all that excess stuff really, you know, doing your part to make the show better really kind of can be missed instead of going, you know, going to the back and all of a sudden all the people back there are like, oh, hey, brother, that was a great job, blah, blah, blah. You know, you killed, you're the man, blah, blah, blah. It, it's it's nice to hear. Especially when, but, and if you don't mind me making the assumption, because I want to I want to be as smart as I can and land on good conclusions, because um, you always you always test our mustard. Um, but when you go backstage, I assume you don't really want to hear all the good stuff. You want to you want to see if the, the dude you just wrestled mm-hmm. is okay. If what he has to say, like you know, like or or if there's a mentor backstage that you're waiting for their input, and it's going to be difficult if everyone's patting you on the back and 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 you get fluffed up, you know, is is that accurate or part of it? Yeah, it's definitely part of it. 
like you definitely want you know you want to know I mean, everyone wants to know they do a good job but i mean once you come to a certain uh, certain i don't want to say level but once you get to a certain degree of experience i feel like you really you know what works and what doesn't work and what works and what doesn't work can vary you know depending on who you're wrestling where you know the place you're wrestling at if it's a place you're you know, you're well known in as opposed to a place you're debuting for the first time. You know, there there are certain tricks in the trade that universally work everywhere. And there are certain things that are specific to an area. Got like me. certain certain things certain things will work. You know, you do the same trick in five different towns, and in two towns it's amazing, everyone loves it. Other three towns you're hearing crickets. And you've got to be experienced <laughs> enough to know that that way you can freaking, you know, you can get what you, the point you're trying to get across across. That's awesome, man. I appreciate the, the, that nugget. We'll make sure that's in the description because uh, that's, that's important to know. Extremely important to know. Also, don't piss off if you just showed up and first time there, don't bring, don't bring your girlfriend and her kids backstage because it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, it's, quick, it's a quick way not to get welcome back. Mm. Big thing happened tonight. I had, uh, oh, I, right. It got ruined for me while we're on the subject of uh, wrestling. Um, and it wasn't really ruined for me. It was like it actually made me feel really good because I got a few text messages from a couple of my good friends, uh, just so excited about it. Like they weren't ruining anything, but Tony Khan about Ring of Honor, and they were just so excited to just uh, the, the the back and forth of um, the possibilities was just excruciatingly like sharp goosebumps um uh tony what, what was your take when you when you saw it happen oh it's, it's definitely exciting it's definitely it's interesting to see like i said the possibilities could be endless in theory it'll be interesting to see you know how they go about business as opposed to how ring of honor in previous incarnations has gone gone about their business it'll be interesting to see who they bring back you know, will they have their own touring schedule? You know, will it be a bunch of people that, like, you know, everyone's been, you know, people on the Internet have definitely been talking about, oh, they bought, they got so much talent, blah, blah, blah. It's almost like when WWE, you know, when they brought in, when they were buying everybody off the indies they could when with WWE, and now they're like, oh, yeah, Ring of Honor, AEW is doing exactly the same thing, and now you might see why. There's definitely a chance that uh, several of the people who aren't utilized on TV as much as they should be will be given a chance to really shine in Ring of Honor, possibly. Dash Reaper. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, we could definitely see freaking, you know, like I said, returning names. You know, definitely some friends I've got over there that I would love to see still utilized in Ring of Honor or possibly even make the jump to AEW. Well, you know, depending on how they want to utilize, be utilized. Before we get into the the awesome possibilities, uh, one of the things I really like about you is that you are stone cold pragmatic. You're not you're not a pessimist. You're very pragmatic. Until it's in your hand, it's it's in the ether. It's not even you're not even counting on it. Yeah. It like it's it's something that is extremely defined about you. And um, I really, 
appreciate that about you. Um, before we start talking about, oh my god, if this isn't, this is happening, this is going to happen, what are some of your concerns other than what you've already expressed? Well, the, the, the big concern is, is it even really going to happen? You know, like, there's definitely shows, and from what I understand, there's a TV taping set. But long-term, will it work? You know, this, you know, AEW in and of itself is a gamble. Can't, can't say it wasn't. It's was huge mm-hmm, gamble mm-hmm. for a guy yeah. that's, while, while Tony Khan is an amazingly huge fan, he had never been put in a position of running a wrestling company before. Right, but And, he, you know, he's done, he's, done, he's done very well. You can't say he hasn't. No, but don't but forget. This endeavor is completely different from anything that's ever been done before. The closest we've had is when WWE bought WCW and back in 2001. Yeah. And we all, you know, whether it was, you know, their fault, freaking the way WCW ended and people just didn't care for it, whatever you want to throw on them because everybody always wants to. It's easy to bash WWE. Good Lord, they've given you plenty of stuff to bash them about over the years. And it's all of us, <laughs> you know, but. You know, for whatever reason, it didn't work. You know, they basically got a library. They got footage that gave us some amazing DVDs. Same thing when they bought ECW. You know, the the invasion angle should have been something beloved by wrestling fans. And it wasn't. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. You know? But, you know, at one point they were talking about doing freaking... And no, having w, WCW be its own touring company, possibly even taking over Raw, from what I heard years ago. And if they'd have put a legit effort into it, it possibly could have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. But it, it, you know, for whatever reason, it never got off the ground. You know, and I'm glad you bring that up because one of the reasons I feel I I find in my heart of hearts I find myself to be successful in my endeavors, when I really put my mind and my heart into it. But the first step I take when I do anything is I ask everyone that's an expert, I I figure out how to talk to you guys. Okay, so I figure out, like, you know, how to conduct myself backstage in order to approach you and talk to you. I don't want to know, like, how to succeed. I want to know what's going to get me fired, what's going to cancel me, what is going to... Uh, be a bad product. and um, That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And Khan being the uh, quintessential super fan that, you know, I hear the stories on the podcast about how he has notebooks of notes. He knows the day it happened, where the sun was in the sky, what he was wearing uh, on his person when he was at the show. Um, he's got a lot of information about what not to do when it comes to a Fed. But now we're going into like uh, my buddy was like he's the wrestling messiah and I was like I, I'm I appreciated how excited he was, but um, I don't think he's the messiah. But he's going to uncharted territory here. He, he knows like running AEW through COVID was a miracle, especially because of what I heard what what uh, <clears throat> TNT was demanding that they still deliver a show or they're canceled just like they're done. We're, 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 we don't give a shit. Um, he is now going into uncharted territory and it worries me 
I mean, I'm, I'm super, super excited. I mean, like, we're pretty yin and yang when it comes to, like, I get excited, you calm my ass down, uh, Tony, and, um, and, you know, let me know, like, hold on, it's a little breaks. You know, you're, you're really good at that. You get a soft hand when it comes to that. Um, anything else you have uh, up here that our minefielders can feel educated enough to be excited, but at the same time don't get their hopes up too crazy? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's all, it's all a waiting game right now. It's, it's seeing what they actually, you know, we're not going to know until, you know, we see Supercard of Honor and we see, the, you know, what, what comes out of the TV tapings, who's going to be involved, who's not going to be involved. You know, and one of the big things is going to be that, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting, who owned Ring of Honor, was their TV outlet. You know, we don't know, I don't, I don't know if, we're going to see Ring of Honor. Does does it necessarily have to be on TNT or TBS because it's owned by, you know, the Khan family? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be something where they're able to shop around outside of you know those that, that network? Do you- uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. Or is it is it too much? Are we even going to be looking for that kind of? Are they going to be looking for that kind of national television, or are they going to be looking for something more syndicated? What about cable? What about, like, do you think it could survive on, like, HBO Max or something like that? Possibly. It's, uh, that's the thing. That's the other, that was the other hot rumor that was going around was that uh, AEW was working on something with uh, HBO Max. And who knows if that was maybe maybe that's true maybe that's for Ring of Honor. So I mean it's maybe it's to utilize the tape library maybe she utilize AEW's tape library. You know it, there's there's a million different opportunities. You know at the end at the end of the day it's going to be, you know, can Tony Khan pull this off? You know he's got I mean he's got the talent to do it. He's got a, you know a huge roster as is. You know, but, you know, is it's going to be if, you know, is that audience still going to be there? And is the rebranded Ring of Honor, refurbished Ring of Honor, whatever you want to refer to it as, going to be different enough <laughs> from AEW to where people are going to want to watch both shows? Because if it's the exact same show, you know, who cares if you miss it? You know, they're going to have to reestablish an entire new roster. They're going to reestablish storylines. They're going to find who they want to focus on. And it can't just, you can't just do Raw versus SmackDown where, oh, Roman Reigns is on every show or Brock Lesnar's on every show. Right. You know, you can't, you, you need that, that figurehead of the, uh, of Ring of Honor. That guy that, you know, isn't an AEW guy. Yeah. Which you know, and that's going to be real interesting to see what happens with that. I've kind of got a, I've got some thoughts on who that could possibly be. But before we get to that, I I really want to just rewind like ten seconds. Um, There are absolutely Ring of Honor guys out there, and they just don't have a. They don't. I I just don't think they speak up enough the way that AEW fans do. And Colin, you and I had, and, and and Tony, I'm sure you have too. But I just want to make sure Colin is is savvy on this because 
Colin, we brought you to Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, completely, yes. completely not knowing shit about Ring of Honor. That's right, yeah. And you saw the rabidness of the Ring of Honor people. I mean, like, it was, yes, it, it was fervor. It was fervor, it was, I mean, granted, AEW didn't exist at the time, but it, it was something special and it was something different. And, um, I want to, I want to do the, uh, well, yeah, go ahead. It was gutsy. Like, it was just gutsy. You know, I was used to watching WWE. And we're talking about the WrestleMania. What year was it? 2017? New Orleans? Yeah. Was it 17? That's when we went? And, yeah, that was uh, that was 2017. And I remember the, those kids, like, yeah, the, you, you've always said it best when, it talk, when you talked about wrestling and because uh when you when you were saying you know covid has shut it all down it's not the same thing i don't know what to do anymore you were like i realized that my favorite my favorite personality in wrestling is the fans like you needed that live audience and the live audience at ring of honor was over the top and it wasn't that it was a regular ring of honor show it was super card and there was a big storyline that was coming to a successful conclusion right there. We walked out of WrestleMania when Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar had their title match yeah, because it was, like, it was boring. It was and it was like, like, it was forced. But like Supercard had this insane business going on. It was Cody and Brandy. It was the, uh, it was the brothers and it was, Kenny Omega, and it was a whole question: which way were the uh, which way were they going to go? And uh, like in in fourteen hours, there were already T-shirts. They chose me, yeah. and that was astonishing. Pentagon Junior was awesome. Uh, uh, Punishment Martinez, dude, I was like, this is cool. Flip Flip was nuts. Flip Gordon, like. I didn't see any of that kind of work happening at any WWE show that I've been to or anything that was happening weekly or even anything that was happening, you know, SummerSlam or uh, TLC matches or anything like that, except possibly Finn Balor. And of course he came from bullet club. So he had moves that I'm like, they're not going to let, they're not going to let him do that kind of stuff. They're not going to let anybody do that kind of stuff. And he's like, I gotta be able to do it, you know. And so he gets up there and he can perform now, those types of flips and stunts and off the off the top rope, leap onto the guys on the ground and stuff like that, and like really flip it out. But like nobody else in WWE can do that. Ring of well, Honor was like, we'll, we can pull this. The fans were out of control, man. I mean, I, I was surrounded by people I didn't know, and like we were, I. I'd be. I would have been buddies with them for the rest of my life. Tony, it Tony. was just super loud, and the yeah, it was just so much engagement because the barricades, like the barricades, are different. You know, Tony, the, I, the interaction I, is I, nuts. I got to put this in perspective. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I got to oh. tell Tony the perspective here. Colin did not have me sitting next to him during this show, except for maybe 20 minutes of it. Because me and my girlfriend at the time were forcibly ejected from the building right after the ladder match. So, for that was which the ladder match, match was it? The the Bucks, uh, Bucks, and yeah. um, uh, I, I can't remember who they were facing, but like we were, 
We were forcibly ejected. Yeah, that was at the one with the Bucks and the Hardy Boys in the ladder match. That, that was the that was the one the, in the Hardy Boys. That was yeah. before. I think so. Yeah. Um, that was Florida. Colin, Colin had no perspective on this um, at all. Like he was with strangers. Uh, if if that adds more gravitas to what he's talking about in terms of the fans, uh, but to be the 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 yin, the black to the to the white yin. Where you've got that pragmatic approach, um, I do have a couple of points. I don't think they are um, pipe dreams. Uh, I think that Brandy and Cody worked everyone, and I had it in my head the entire time. There's there was no problems backstage. We would have heard it. Um, I think they're going to be the ones running Ring of Honor for Tony. That makes a ton of sense. I think they. I think they. I think Cody will be the. I think Cody will be the star. No, 100%. I don't think he's going back to WWE. I think. I think he. I, I don't think he'll necessarily be running it because it'll be too much of a conflict of interest. But it's a, you know, Do it, be, it, it makes you again? wonder how long this has been in the works. Yeah, especially because it, 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 like the second you said that, like, but remember, like, oh, uh, if I lose this match, I'll. I can never be. AEW champion ever and he lost and he meant it yeah and he meant it mm-hmm. and then the way that Brandy took over the women's division and you know created heels and just really empowered them as uh, wrestlers not like like I, I love what she's done to the point where like I don't call like oh you're the female wrestler no you're a wrestler just plain and simple like she's been pushing that. So there's my theory on that. The other one is the catalog. Uh, they can do documentaries. If, like They're going to have enough enough fucking footage to do uh, to bring back Honor Club or mm. something similar. And, it, it, and uh, my buddy Tom was like, yeah, yeah we, they're going to have, a, you know, they have all this footage. They can do this, this, and that. And I was like, man, but like, what confused me was when Honor Club was running strong and I was a a paid member, uh, but so was the Impact State, the Impact app. But the Impact app had like, like all the indie feds, like well, a lot of the ones that cut the mustard. Like they, they even had Rocky Mountain Pro in there. Remember? Yeah. And and like like that was worth the the ten dollars just to randomly just what's going on in Kentucky, what's going on in Memphis. Um, if they can amalgamate all that. With the um, the AEW catalog, as much as they can put, like, because remember, there's only so much new Raw they could put. It was like, it was like two months. Like the the network was like two months behind on Raw. Um, but, okay. But it was still there. Uh, but the pay per views now they also have uh, possession of uh, All In. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, because Ring of Honor owned possession of that, um, mm-hmm. so we've we've got the possibility of a really cool network, all completely you know amalgamated, and let's have some fun. Maybe get the indie feds in there. Obviously, you know what I'm thinking about right now. Um, and um, the other thing was just I don't, and I really don't see them doing this as like where Ring of Honor is like the NXT to AEW. I just think, in in my heart of hearts, I think Tony rescued something that he loved, the the way that you and the the way that you and I rescue com and, and Colin too, 
we rescue comic books, even if we have one already. <laughs> it, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. I got you. Uh, so let it. Like, he might own it, but if someone else runs it and it and it's still Ring of Honor and it's not like a bunch of bullshit notes and you know like if Disney bought it and it's Marvel. But uh, that's where I dug my heels into the sand and said, no more theorizing, no more fantasizing about fantasy bookings, because obviously I want to see Abaddon wrestle Rosemary, and I was like, no. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well, well, she's Impact, but even then, like, the the other thing was... That, that one doesn't work. The, the, the last little thing was, like, you know, like, New Japan works with Ring of Honor and Impact will kind of... It's loose, and we talked about the Forbidden Door, and if all the doors are open and owned by a couple of people that work well together and can, you know, like they, they sent switchblade on a whim because Tony, Tony Khan actually fucked up a promo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, man. Cause freaking, you know, at the same time you want to make, you know, you don't want a couple of people. If you have, you know, a couple people owning the majority of everything, then you then you have a monopoly. Yep, that's why the United States has monopoly. And that's where monopoly that's laws. where things get bad. That's where things get very bad. Even then, freaking how long how long did WWE get away with it? There was always somebody else, but it was never. It was like, you know, they were always a, a far far second place. I am drinking a little bit of whiskey out of my cherished Kevin Owens WWE cup. And I remember when I was <laughs> when I was getting the ice in there, I was like, "Man, I remember when I believed in you and I loved you." And Kevin Owens? Oh yeah, you were. No, huge. no, no, no. I still believe in love, Kevin Owens. Like, I'll never lose faith. I'm talking about the 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 logo, the WWE logo. Like, when, oh, yeah. I, when I saw that on something, it meant something to me. And now, it, now when I see it, it looks like uh, it reminds me of the same feeling or same parallel vibration. When like a song comes on the radio and reminds me of an ex-girlfriend, like I used to. I get that. I fucking used to love you. <laughs> Why? Um, so great possibilities, um, awesomeness, and you know uh, I've got. I have faith in in Tony Khan, but I also have uh, two people in my ear at all times. I've got. Colin, you and I, we like to theorize all the time, and Tony, you're like, yo, yo, slow, slow down, <laughs> like, slow down, Tony, like, Tony, you always tell me Yeah, slow I mean, down. it's definitely, it's always fun to freaking theorize, it's like, oh, I'd love to see this, I'd love to see that, you know, it'll just be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, freaking, because, I mean, they made a big deal of bringing in some pretty huge people right off the bat for AEW that weren't signed to AEW, beforehand and it's just going to be like i said the biggest thing is making it fun and but keeping it distinctly different from aew beautiful beautiful you could not like, have said that whatever better. whatever that whatever whatever that entails you know freaking that you don't just want you don't just want people jumping between the shows and you don't want people just showing up no, no. you want you want both feds to be able to stand on their own two feet and freaking yeah and that's that's the biggest thing because people are 
you know, it's it's like how uh, WWE was with NXT, the the original NXT, well, the the second NXT, the, you know, before the, the new contest. revamp. Yeah, yeah, post contest, pre NXT 2.0. You know, WWE had basically created their own alternative because NXT was so different from Raw and so different from SmackDown. And that's what Tony Khan has the ability to do now with Ring of Honor is basically create something that's, you know, different from AEW, you know, whatever, whatever that might entail. And freaking, you know, because it's got to be different, but it's got to still, you know, attract fans. And I've always been a big believer and you can kind of, you know, as somebody behind the scenes who puts shows together, you almost, you have the ability to cater to the fan base you want. And that's, it, it, it can be a juggling act because you always want the most people to watch your product, but you want to, you know, you, you want to give them a product that works for what your thought process is. You know, being because I've I've said it time and time again. Uh, for those who don't know, I booked I booked I booked New Era for like eight years, and there are times where I've had ideas that I thought were going to be perfect, and for whatever reason, they 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 bomb. You know, I've I've had ideas that I thought were great that were that played out per, just the way I thought in my head, but you have to be able to differentiate or separate yourself, what you necessarily like from what the majority of people do like because sometimes they are vastly different and, and don't forget that uh, one of the things that I learned early on uh, becoming the smart person that likes wrestling is that a lot of times when you can just say fan fan the, fan works yeah fan that a lot of times when we were given what writes itself, you know, they're doing, I hate that phrase. That's what, it's nails on a chalkboard. Well, if they book these two people, it just writes itself. And then it happens, and everyone's like, we want it, we want it. And then it happens, and everyone's like, boo. Like, what the hell? Like, you guys just, like, you guys have been begging for this. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they, they don't care. So, there's that. Colin, you got anything to wrap us up before we uh, move on to some uh, good-ass comic books? This is kind of a tough area for me because obviously it's been it's not that I don't have like streaming stuff. You automatically you guys were talking about it earlier and like, oh yeah, move it to HBO Max or like what where is this going to to play? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know how much longer these cable networks are gonna exist. I don't have a TV that even I, I don't I don't have cable. I've got all this streaming stuff, so why do I want cable? So like yeah. Why aren't they moving over to a, a streaming platform? To this day, I still feel like the WWE Network, uh, even just five years ago, was fascinating, and it was 24-hour entertainment. I could go in and I could watch old matches. I could watch Renee uh, interviewing people, and I was like, yeah, I could watch that girl talk to people all day. She's smart. She's gorgeous. She's got it. Like, and just going in and watching stuff that was like, hey, it's not kayfabe. We can have Seth Rollins talking to, uh, uh, oh shit, what, uh, 
John Moxley. It's not John, but uh, Dean yeah, Ambrose. We could have them talking to one another and be in and like having that, that show where people had dinner and talked about their work. Oh, table like, three. And it's, table yeah, three. that was great. Like that was my that's what I'm one. talking about. Consistent stuff. Why do I want to watch something that I'm only getting a little bit of detail from? That I got it. You know, you got you're, you're supposed to tune in and see Raw or SmackDown live. And uh, and uh, it's painful. It's painful to watch it that way because you want the matches and you want the promos, but then you're going to get a four-minute segment, and it's like, I've been to those shows, and it's frustrating. Like, it's not basketball. When you go to a basketball game, it, uh, NBA, it is constant sound, constant entertainment, constant advertising, and it's, and it's fun. And like you go to a go to a, a WWE show, and there are periods of darkness and silence while they're setting up something else. And I'm like, that is just mismanagement because the fans should be constantly engaged. So I feel like I feel like the I'm kind of all over the place on this idea, but the but I just don't see why a cable network needs to be involved, except for the advertising, you know. But if it's on a streaming service, I feel like people are paying into it anyways. And uh, you can take and do something with that. And you can sell more advertising and you can do the PPVs, the pay-per-views. I think it's totally worth it to do that. But um, I guess, you know, yeah, that was, the, that was one thing that you guys mentioned a few minutes ago that, that, sp- that sparked my interest. Why does it have to stay uh, a cable thing? Yeah, uh, It always weirded me out way back, like watching... Uh, watching anything on Sci-Fi Network and seeing advertisements for for wrestling, I was like, "How are these related?" And then it's like, it's just cable. That's where it is. It's programming. Same thing. Why is all this other garbage on History Channel? How is this on History Channel? Uh, yeah. it's just yeah. Bravo, trying stuff out. Bravo started as a cable channel for people that like uh, going to the opera. And now it's and uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. It is super duper catering to a very particular same sex segment of our society, and it, it started out that way. I think at least as early as maybe two thousand three or something like that. MTV used to show music videos. MTV literally. No, don't get it. Don't get us started on that. Don't get us started. But uh. Yeah. Uh, we, we anyway, we, we've got, transition. Transition. We, we've got a bunch of kick ass. Uh, uh, wanted to talk about Motley Crue and <laughs> since we're talking about music television. Yeah, great transition. That was awesome. Um, I'm bringing it up for a very, very specific reason. Now, um, <clears throat> growing up uh, throughout the throughout the world, um, landed in Alabama and met this cool older dude that was a great above me that introduced me to Slayer and Metallica and Anthrax and all the quote-unquote good metal, like legit true metal. And I just moved from California, and I remember, like, uh, very specifically, because when something cool happens, it just gets just branded in my brain. Uh, My dad bought me the Shredder action figure. Uh, at a Target. I'd never been to a Target before. And uh, it was way cooler than Walmart. And uh, 
He bought me a shredder and a splinter at the same time. Playing with these toys in the car, and I heard Love in an Elevator by Aerosmith for the first oh, time. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, what and, a great song. And it just, like, I remember seeing the sun setting. The sun was huge in the sky to my left. And, uh, well, this dude I knew uh, when we moved to Alabama, he told me, and I was like, what about, like, because I mentioned, like, what about, like, Poison or Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue? And he says... Those bands are only for P words and F words. And <laughs> oh, your dad said that. No, Dang. my dad. My dad did not say that. Uh, my buddy oh. uh, was playing some. Tasting. Oh, I'm sorry, your buddy. Um, mm-hmm. But it like branded in my brain. Like like if you played a if you played a Motley Crue song for me, I'm like oh, I think that's Motley Crue, but I've never really listened to a full Motley Crue song before. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I was getting in the car on Monday, and uh, Apple Music, because I paid for the service, was like, hey, do you want to listen to Motley Crue Essentials? And I said, fuck it. Let's play some Motley Crue. Holy shit, it rocks. Dude, it rocks. Holy shit. A lot rocks. of that stuff rocks. I don't care how silly it is. A lot of that stuff just rocks. Man. I felt like such a dummy. I could have been jamming out to Motley Crue my whole life. Have you you've seen Hot Tub Time Machine, right? Yeah, but I mean, I remember you know I, I I knew the song, but they didn't play the whole song. I've never listened to a full Motley Crue song before because at the end it was I'm Motley, not gonna I'm not it was Motley yeah. Blue and you know Home Sweet Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 like I'm, I'm I mean I'm not gonna give you a hard time about that. There's a lot of stuff I haven't sat down and just listened straight through to. Yeah, and, I'm not and a dumb. Like, oh, that's all, that's all right. But like, nah, I mean, nobody's saying that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But my point of this whole story was, is some very nice gentleman that was a great above me introduced me some amazing bands. But, like, because I was stupid and wanted to be cool, I deprived myself of Motley Crue. And, uh, like, so, like, past few days, was listening to nonstop Motley Crue, but, like, on my breaks today, I went on the exponential journey and see what it recommended. Warrant, rat. That's what I want to know. Warrant, rat, like all this other stuff. I'm like, wow, this, like, how, like, it's fun. Like, like just because it's, it's like, I remember, like, uh, this dude I knew back in Oklahoma called all that shit butt rock. You know, the, the hairspray sure, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, like, Is it a butt rock or it's cock rock? That's yeah, how it was yeah, explained to me. Exactly. And um, he really reinforced that in my head. Uh, you know, that, that was for P words and F words. Uh, those are not vernaculars I use, but, like, I'm just saying, you know, we, I don't want that on the show. Um, but you get it. And it just goes to show, because I've been that, about that way at comic books, like, where, like, I never would have found stray dogs if I hadn't have just taken a, taken a chance. But no one's ever told me that, you know, don't read that, that sucks when I was a kid like, oh, yeah. like like my whole point is that as a child someone put it in my head I should stay away from something because it's stupid and for people that aren't good I think we all heard that growing up a little bit but like you know we all at a certain point you're either a rebellious person as maybe as a teen and you start trying stuff other ways and you get into you know, this is, I think this is across the board. It doesn't necessarily just happen to do with music. It can be certain books. Right. It can be going places or hanging out with a particular type of people. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, there's some fun reverse psychology stuff there too you can mess with, but I mean, like on, on like one spectrum, they're taking out, um, they're taking To Kill a Mockingbird off of the reading list in high school because it's offensive or it is not no not. They're not doing a, a lot of that right not, now. Not offensive. Mm. Uh, what's the word they use? Upsetting. It's cha- I'm gonna say it's challenging. It's challenging. It's 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 like. But at the same time, though, at the other bottom end of the spectrum, why not listen to Motley Crue and Drinking Addy Light? I mean, dude, what what other band? Okay, you mentioned like Warrant and Rat. Is anything else in particular like popping up uh, that Poison. you're into that you never listen to? Choir Boys. Yeah. Choir Boys. Who? Yes. Choir Boys. Yes. yes. Thank I don't you. know Choir Boys. Thank you, Tony. Tony, uh, you take point on this because I told you about that Spotify playlist, and I have been nonstop on it. I don't know. I just freaking was talking. About it. I just remember you mentioned it on Peacemaker. I was like, I've never heard of the Choir Boys. Peacemaker is all the music, and Peacemaker is all butt rock. But it's all like choice, deep cut butt rock. Like it's not boring. Mm. It's not Rat. It's not Guns and Roses. It's not. Let me let me tell you. There's nothing that is but okay. Let me. This is the difference: butt rock and cock rock. Cock rock. Uh, in the late '90s, I started. Yeah, right after high school, I started working at this pizza place, and they had this guy that was a manager there, and he was a a haughty uh, music snob, and he dominated the the uh, the uh, the jukebox. music. Yeah, at the at that place, he'd let somebody else come in, but dude, he gave me shit when I brought in a Duran Duran album. Like, he didn't like what they were talking about, and he was like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he had some respect for me because he liked that I was a good employee and stuff like that. I just remember him talking, like, we talked about some stuff, and I was talking about things like guitar solos, and he was like, that's bullshit. Guitar solos are totally just some dude's opportunity to try to show off how big his dick is or whatever. And I'm like, but it's in every freaking song. Like, that's that's what we hear. So you go to, like, he, he was like, okay, well, they, those guys are a bunch of butt rockers, but those guys are a bunch of cock rockers. And I was like, what are you trying to say? Because I know you don't pick on people for their preferences and life choices. Yeah. And uh, he was like, no, 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 man. Like, I mean, the butt rockers were like guys that were going to go out and kick ass, like, like maybe Metallica or... Uh, Those guys aren't butt rockers. That's 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 thrash. That's thrash. okay. Sure, I'm just saying like it's a different kind. It's like uh, yeah, because that's metal. It's not rock. It's it wasn't popular glam rock in the '80s. But you had people who were going out. That was what their music was about: going out and kicking ass, or going out and partying and, and like screwing, yeah, like yeah, yeah. trying to find some find some tail, That's like and deep. that, like, warrant is straight up, like, we're going to go out and find cherry pie for crying That's out loud. Right. I don't know what rat sounds like, really, other than the one song I've ever heard of them, I've heard of theirs, round and round. Uh, and But, like, I mean, Poison, definitely some cock rockers. I think, my, I think the crew was definitely dudes that like to get out and screw, but I think they were butt rockers, you know, like, they're, they're singing about they're, heavy drugs and all of this stuff. Um, okay, I get it now. I get it now. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the other thing, the, the, uh, on a different spectrum, um, I grew up, my mom, we moved to England when I was like three, and my mom got me into like um, Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, uh, David Bowie, yeah. um, mm-hmm. um, 
you, you name it, Pet Shop Boys, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've always been into that music, uh, New Order. Um, oh, for real! Joy yeah. Division. You like New Wave, man? You like I, I you like love, that, that? I love New Wave. I love synthesizers. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, me too. But like, it was it was oh. it was never something I shared with anyone because I like it was something very private, not something I was hiding. But like, it was something like I, I didn't like to listen to with anyone else. And um, you know, like shoegazer shit, you know. And um, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what that was until recently when I was listening to something with Shirley Manson talking about her life. Yeah, and um, I was working at the cafeteria at OU, and uh, there was this older guy, and he, he was—he didn't need the job. He—he—he he, he was rich. He just wanted to get out of the house, and he—he he owned a ranch in in like uh, God, like like further south of Norman. I can't remember that. Uh, that town, but sure, like, whatever. Know, he had horses and yeah, everything. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a bunch down there. Like, and you know, I'm I'm wearing makeup to work, and I'm I'm fucking full goth. And um, mm -hmm. he's like, "What are you into? What do you listen to?" And he let me guess. You like uh, Nine Inch Nails? I'm like, "Yeah, of course I love Nine Inch Nails. It's my favorite band." And he's like, "What are you really into?" I'm like, "Well, what I really listen to all the time is uh, new wave stuff, new order, mm -hmm. and uh, all the bands are named off." He's like, "Are you gay?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, well, if it was 1987, you would be, you'd have a fat cock up your ass right now, because that was some gay shit, and I'm gay as hell, and that's what I was listening to, and I've never heard someone that said they were straight <laughs> like that music, wow. and I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, like, it's just one of those things, and he's, it, like, it, it, it was... I guess I'm trying to justify myself here where I'm not entirely fucking one, one minded where I don't want some guy to think I'm not cool. Cause I don't like Motley Crue or I like Motley Crue type stuff. You know, I, that's a gay shit under my belt. <laughs> Tony, you yeah. ever, you ever have that man? I was, it, I loved going through your, like it, we were about to head to Lubbock and I was going through your CDs. I'm like Everclear, Bush, hell yeah. <laughs> Bush, yeah, for real. I just kind of like to. I do. I like the wide variety of stuff. Freaking, uh, like everything. I like everything from like Soul Asylum to Collective Soul. Freaking, I was really big into Offspring back in the day. Freaking, uh, but then I turned around and I randomly had like Britney Spears. Oh, I love Britney Spears. Like, right. I just didn't like. I just like music wise. I didn't. I didn't care enough to care really. Like it was just I, I'd play whatever. Because like I wasn't like I was into like, I was huge into like maybe three bands like Everclear was really cool freaking Offspring was really cool. Um, in all honesty, my favorite CD ever is probably like Big Ones by Aerosmith. Yeah, right on. That's like cool there's album. just not there's not a bad it's song cool on that track on that whole CD. Tony, if I know you don't like dude, Hagen, I love Aerosmith. I don't know I if you like Hagen. I know you don't like Hagen that much, but. <laughs> you get a big ass hug for me. Big ones is one of the best things ever. Uh, um, best friends. Funny, best funny friends. enough, I I hate Linkin Park. I hate, I hate my Park. When I, I freaking do uh, when I when I wrestle, freaking my theme song is freaking uh, "Faint" by Linkin Park because it's the only song they have that I like. I just really related to it. My buddy, mm. my buddy Tony in high school when I moved to Guam, uh, we, we we connected because I was really into Deftones and I was the only one that had Adrenaline on CD. The White Pony had not come out, and uh, 
we hung out for like two solid years and like uh the dracula 2000 cd came out it was the first time that, <laughs> the first time that a lincoln park song had been featured on something like uh, i don't think that first record had even come out yet and he's like this new band's so cool lincoln park and i'm like no dude this sucks <laughs> like 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 this is awful and, and and he was like, no, dude, no, no, Linkin Park, they're 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 just as good as Death Tones. I'm like, dude, dude, like I I don't no, know if I can be friends with you right now. Like like Linkin Park, like I'm glad that people like Linkin Park. It's gotten people to good places. It's against my religion to make people's make fun of people's music personally, but on my personal level, I think Linkin Park fucking sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, uh, I know I, it'll get me. It'll get me real. It'll give me some real legit heat with freaking Maria, but uh, freaking, I'm just like it's just not my thing. I think if you're into it, cool. You do you, man. Freaking, I'm not gonna. I'm not knocking on nobody for their taste in anything. I don't care. Yeah, don't care. Freaking just yeah. not. Dude. Not my bag of Cheetos, you know. But yeah, my exactly. my brother and I were walking from. Uh, we were walking from my grandmother's house in England in 2001. 2001. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, she had just died, so we were over there looking at the house and trying to deal with stuff. We're walking down to the town center because there's this nightclub down there, and the uh, <laughs> these kids run up to us. I'm going to say this. I'm speaking English, not American. I don't want to get in any trouble for this. These, these kids run up to us and because they, they see my brother smoking, and they're like, Oh, hey, hey, can you, oh you got you got a fan. Can we get, some, can we get a smoke? And they're just like, I was like, wow, we're actually interacting with people that aren't trying to feed us Indian food or something right now. Yeah. Uh, this is awesome. Like, hey, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, my God, you're Americans. American. What are you, you're American. You steal American cigarettes. And it's like, yeah, 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 totally. What, what's up? And they're like, oh, you're, like, you're from America. What do, you, what do you listen to in America? You're like, you're like Lincoln Park. And we were <laughs> like, I was like, no, no. You know what I listen to? I listen to Radiohead. I listen to Radiohead, and I listen to uh, New Wave music. And they were like, your shit. I listen to English stuff, guys. I'm not not into a modern American uh, screaming rock music at that time. That's so funny, uh, man. That, that, even at that time, I remember when we were there. It was like Jewel had just come out with a uh, a pop album, if you recall. I do remember Jewel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not not hard to remember Jewel. She's a an amazing talent. I remember three things uh, about but, Jewel. Uh, I remember three yeah, yeah, things yeah. specifically about Jewel. She lived in a van, and then two other things. She's <laughs> <laughs> actually a world class yodeler. Yeah, turns I, out. yeah, I did learn that. That's one of those things. I thought I thought so. That's great. You yeah, know, there's, there's some great vibrato going on there for. <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, Lincoln Park never did it for me. Anyway, but whatever. no, 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 and, and and I know we've gone through a, a shitload of rabbit holes on this first hour of Minefields, guys. But Minefielders, I want you to realize while we've been talking about this, we've been talking about your own personal taste, how to define yourself as your own person, and not let anyone intrude on what you like. How to define a story, how to keep your heels on the ground as a rabid wrestling fan while you're thinking about the stories that write themselves or um, what you think you want as opposed to when you get it and you don't want it. There's, there's, it we've always been all about writing and character development. And, yeah, we've been having a lot of story, fun talking shit about music and stuff like that, but 
that all has a meaning. And I hope you ascertain that from this. Um, it's very, very important to us as storytellers. I mean, like, all of us, all, all three of us, we, we write stories together. Um, New Era, um, Colin, we've got like 8 million things on the, irons in the, in the fire. Uh, you know, Way too many irons in the fire. <laughs> and, and, but at the same time, it's, it's creatively uh, important to have those outlets, whether or not they work or not. Just keep them going. Just keep them going and share your f- shit with your friends. And if they don't dig it, that's fine. But we've said it a million times. If you don't, if you can't have a conversation <clears throat> with, with your friends the way that we are having right now, with no judgment, no one batting an eye, and you know, mm, I don't know, you know, just we all accept each other. If you don't have that, find it. Period. Or at least make no, fun no. of each other's no, no. each other's faces, like gentlemen. Extremely, <laughs> like gentlemen. Make fun, make fun of each other to each other's faces, totally. Right. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's get some comics done, guys. Uh, what do you guys want to do first? Yeah. I want to go to the bathroom and then do comics. All right, let's go to the bathroom, <laughs> do comics, and before we go to the bathroom, fifty-six let's, minutes let's, plus. Let's do the list: Batman number one twenty-one, Electra, Black and White and Blood number two, Batman Killing Time number one of six. Fantastic Four number thirty-eight through forty, Wrecking War number number one, Star Trek Captain's Log stories one through four, Carnage Forever, Guns. I wasn't Tony, laughing. You, you got hurt, but she did. It sounded like you just hit a pillow. That's that's nothing. That's nothing. Tony has soft hands. You I was waiting for Josh, and he didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> there you Touché. go. Batman one twenty-one, brother. Give us give us the juice. All right, so they're in a finding a little bit out about Lex Luthor. We got we're in Metropolis, and Lex Luthor and Mercy are trying to figure out uh, trying to find the most dangerous locations in the world, and they start with Badnesia, which, as we all know, is where <laughs> our current story has. And you know, you can't you're going to start in all the bad places. Why not start with Badnesia? Obviously. Or bad Terror Palace. <laughs> so we come to modern day and uh Batman who's blinded currently and Lex Luthor in his superpowered bat suit are taking on new character Abyss and the League of Heroes, otherwise known as Batman Incorporated. Who are okay. Batman from all over the world, basically, who are all under the, uh, who were previously under um, being paid by Bruce Wayne and Wayne Enterprises. But when Batman lost all his money, um, their contract was picked up by one Lex Luthor. So they're all about to battle. And freaking Batman bust out the secret code word. I believe I'm trying to find it, what the secret code word was, pray tell. It was, a, I believe it was League of Heroes or something along those lines. Club of Heroes. Club of Heroes. What and then that? Abyss turns around and he realizes that the uh, this is all a trick the entire time. <laughs> that you're just trying to find Abyss. It was a spurb. <laughs> Everybody, everybody got the, everybody got worked. 
you know, Batman's still not able to see. And freaking, you know, the, you know, the cops the cops are swarming the area because they're on top of a building. And Batman's just like, no, I'm going after Abyss because he's freaking Batman and even blind. He will still take on, you know, take on whatever he needs to. And but we find out that the reason Abyss has his powers is because Lex Luthor uh, basically gave him to him in the lab and then set him on his merry way. So uh, he pulls out some skites. They start fighting. And Batman, of course, even without his vision, is able to take down Abyss. That makes perfect sense. There's no reason why Batman ought not to be able to pull that kind of thing off, you know? Yeah. We're we're all trained. Yeah. Yeah, It's freaking Batman. And Batman the whole time is just trying to be like, you know, hey, I I understand what's going on. I can help you. You know, you you don't have to just be a toy of Lex Luthor's. And then Abyss is like, you know, I always wanted to be like you, but instead I'm always in the dark. You know, forever alone. And freaking, you know, he escapes. You know, Abyss is on the run, but Batman Inc. had enough inside information that we found all the people he had kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole time, then, you know, him and the uh, the local police officer in Badnesia, <laughs> you know, they're over here talking. Badnesia. <laughs> I got that bad nesia, man. I have a hard time remembering stuff. That's exactly that's ridiculous. That's too silly. <laughs> you know, her, him, Batman, and the cop are talking. There, you know, maybe you can, you know, maybe you can move over here. Since you know, Gotham's got so many other heroes, and Batman is just like, you know, they don't need, you know, bad bad nesia doesn't need me. It needs you. You know, and she's like, you know, when you're ready, though, let me, you know, let me know. And she's like, you know, what do you mean? And then we turn around and we have Lex Luthor. Talking to the uh, the League of Batman, Batman Incorporated, talking about, you know, we had a deal. I paid you. And all of them, like, we never even cashed those checks, you know. <laughs> we, we were just here to find out about Abyss. Mm-hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, they're, of course, doing the right thing. <clears throat> you know, talking about we worked, you know, we worked, you know, we thought if we could work with you, with him, we could find out how many cities you ran your sick experiments in, Luther. Because apparently, mm-hmm. looks Luther was sending out. Um, you know, corrupted superheroes all over the world, and they're just like, you know, we found the list. We know exactly what you did. And Luther's just like, you know, you know, prove it. You know, you know. And then he looks at Batman. He's like, "This isn't over, Bruce." Oh, oh. And they're just like, we should just let Abyss kill him. You know, and he just gets to walk. You know. Mm-hmm. And Batman is just like you know he's smart you know he knows what he's doing nothing nothing's going to connect him to Abyss you know but he's lost control of Batman Inc and he's and he's off the hook but it doesn't mean he's happy. Don't you see this picture? Lex Luthor just scowling, you know, and freaking you know they're just like you know, <laughs> and they're just wondering you know are we, you thought we were really working with Abyss or Lex and he's like you know I knew in the prison. Because I know how you guys fight. You know, we all, you know, I know you guys were holding back, basically. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like, but, you know, the whole thing was Abyss was dead, which is what brought me here. So, like, how did you, how, you know, how'd you fake that? And they're just like, you know, we stole the body. We had a body, body stolen from the morgue. You know? <laughs> with everything going on with him faking his death, getting arrested, it was all set up to get Lex back here to get him to reveal, you know, reveal basically what he'd done. And, you know, Batman's just like, how, how long you guys been working on this? And he's like, since Batman Inc. started. And they're like, just because you moved on to something doesn't mean the whole world stopped moving, you know? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's like, you know, why didn't you guys call for help? And they're just like, would you have? <laughs> and so, you know, you know, you're not wrong. Good point. You know, and then they're like, you know, he's just like, you know, good work, guys. I'll be in touch, you know. But I'm needed elsewhere. And it looks like Batman, for the first time since Tinian left, is heading back to Gotham mm. to deal with the uh, deal with what's happening at Arkham Tower. Oracle to Batman, please respond. Things at Arkham Tower have gone south because throughout the entire thing that's going on in Detectives, like, where's Batman? Batman's gone. Batman's still missing. But this, is- yeah, and that's the whole thing. Nothing, you know, everyone knew where he was, but he's been he's been MIA dealing with this, and the whole time we got out, you know. The insanity that's going on in Arkham Tower, which has been pretty epic so far. Do you think? That I guess that's. Go ahead. No, no, it, it just you know I feel like there's a missed. I, I don't know how much of a missed opportunity it would be, but it. it whoops! I'm sorry. I just banged my mic. Um, it, 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 if you're a regular person in Gotham City, and you 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 know there you know you got. Robert Wool on the Batman beat, Batman, <laughs> and you've got all these different you know characters who are constantly keeping up with him, and he just shows up and he takes care of things, but he's gone, he's missing, something like that. Like, how long does anyone go wondering why haven't I heard anything about Batman this week? Like, before they're like, oh, Batman's missing, and then something goes down because of it, you know. I don't know. I just feel like there's a good story component there. I'm sure it's that's a little bit off topic, but uh, it just no, struck no, me. No, no, no. It, 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 it's it's well, mm-hmm. that's basically what they're doing right now. You know, they have all this. You know, Batman leaves, but he's got this whole, you know, team of people behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've talked about it previously, where you know, everyone thinks Batman's just like loner, but in all honesty, he's got like probably one of the deepest set of oh, backups yeah. that anybody in <laughs> in comics has. Yeah, yeah. it's odd to me at this point that we, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, everybody considers, yeah, I love what you said there. Everybody considers him a loner, but he's big time on the Justice League and then obviously all of the Bat family. And it's kind of ridiculous. At this point, you're going to keep making Batman movies and he's Batman flying solo he can get a lot more done with Batman or Bat, but you know Robin and Batgirl and Batwoman and Alfred and blah 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 blah. The list goes on and on. Yeah, Gordon Montoya, freaking uh, Signal, Clown Hunter, Ghostmaker, uh, Huntress, Lucius, uh, all all three of the Batgirls, all three Batgirls. You know, you've got he, he's Oracle? got this like deep roster. Blood Bloodhaven, or is she a Gotham City? She kind of floats between the two mainly. She's yeah. pretty much where you need her. Cool. That cool. and I think Burnside. Mm-hmm. Don't forget their sword leader just got blown up. That pissed yeah. me off. 
So I mean, and then whatever whatever villain is trying to reform in any given moment, you know, Holly <laughs> yeah, Owl, sure. Clayface, Two Face. I think the Riddler was a good guy for about six months once. <laughs> yeah. Um, freaking the Joker in Last Night on Earth. Good point. He became a Robin. <laughs> the Joker became a Robin. Don't forget White Knight. Yeah, that was, that was, that's hard. That was a huge joke. Yeah, White Knight, freaking a Harley Quinn. You know, she's another one that floats between good and bad at any given moment. Hmm. But yeah, he's got this. He just got this huge, this huge cast of character. Like his freaking, the people he associates with is is comparable to his rogues gallery easily. I was literally just thinking that like like everyone always says like who has the best rogues gallery? Oh, it's got to be Spider-Man or Batman. No, easily Batman. But now we've got uh, uh Tinian obviously spawned this but shine the light that we've got a friends gallery too. Yeah, well, I mean, he was he was right. even around well before then, but freaking he did he definitely added to it with like Clown Hunter and freaking Ghostmaker. Uh, Ghost hmm. uh, Bluebird got a renewed freaking Leslie Tompkins, Miracle Molly, Miracle Molly. Mm-hmm. You know, freaking there's you know there's several like it's it's really it has come to like, the last few years has really kind of shown that you know. That's worth, Freaking, um, that's worth exploring. You've named out like eight people off. I can't, I'm thinking about Spider-Man. I'm thinking there's Harry when he's not crazy. Obviously, Mary Jane. Black Cat. Yeah, Black Cat. Oh, totally Black Cat. But, dude, you've got to go deeper than that because a lot of those people aren't around anymore. I mean, if you're talking about people who can actually help him do stuff, uh, you occasionally get stuff with Ben Urich or whatever other like right. reporter character they, they play with at the time. Any of the uh, million clones, Doctor Connors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Connors is a big deal, especially early on. It's kind of disappointing. I mean, I, I got to the point where we looked back at that lizard story recently, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. That one didn't do so much for me." Daredevil is a huge Spider-Man ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punisher, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Nova—they're all Spider-Man allies yeah, to but, a certain degree. But are they Spider-Man? Family, the way that we're describing. Oh, Spider-Man family. I get what you're saying. The way that we're describing Batman family. I mean, you could go back and say like Betty Brant and uh, Ned Leeds, sort of Ned Leeds, until he ended up being a hobgoblin. All regular ass people. Ned Leeds goes on to become the hobgoblin, man. Yeah, but even then, man, like like. Has he inspired? Not that the Hobgoblin ever was helpful to anybody. Well, I think the point is, is that have they, has Spidey or anyone else ever inspired a, a Spidey Inc. Where not only do they know that Batman's got their back, but they still got to work on their own. And then don't forget. I mean, yeah, but then but you get turned around like, and like, to comment to go against Batman Inc. You literally have every interdimensional Spider-Man that has ever showed up during Spider Get It. That's exactly where I was going to go next. Silk and Miles Morales and Ben Riley and and uh, Kane. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Kane, uh, Spider Ham. If you want to go there, uh, Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, Spider Punk. Yep. 
Just keep going. It, it does go on and on, but it's not the same thing. I get that. I, I totally dig. It's actually really funny because I'm all about the the Bat Family, but mm-hmm. the one big turnoff for Spider Man for me is all the interdimensional Spider Men. <laughs> like I, I just want Peter Parker. I do like too, I, man. I I can totally dig Ben Riley, uh, and I totally dig Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. After that, I don't need. I don't even need Spider Woman. I don't need, don't need any of that stuff because she's she's no. not really related to it at all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man, I know where you're coming from. It's yeah, like it's that the, the forty two million, the forty two million symbiotes, <laughs> superfluous. Like, give me Venom, man. give me Carnage, and that's really all you need. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they were overblown. close enough to they they made the the connection between Spider Man and Venom made sense. Freaking Carnage being the offspring made sense. And then next thing you took a good idea and you watered it down with 42 other, you know, symbiotes. Yeah, totally. Like, right. the more you do that, the more it just, it just, like, I mean, maybe it's just for, for me personally or, and like a section of the fan base. But it it does, it waters it down to where I'm just like, eh, I just don't care. Maybe, maybe we can agree to agree that the best part about this is that Batman inspired people to do things on their own and be exciting on their own. Cause every single one of these guys, I, I want to see, I want Batman Inc. back like that, that I want it back. Like after a Spidey story with every goddamn person that knows Spidey, I don't want anything to do with these assholes. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, I can't think of any time recently where Spidey has been just doing something on his own and tackling something is always, he, he's always interacting with a half a dozen other characters at this point. And, uh, they're really going out of their way to like jam, uh, spider related characters into the background of these event books and stuff like that. If, if, if not, not outright making him a forefront character. Yeah. Batman's good, and he better be on his way back to Gotham because, like, we lost Tinian and Batman at the same time. <laughs> but uh, dun, dun, dun. we uh, did you uh, did you read that article I sent you that Zadarsky and Jorge Jimenez are taking over Batman now? I mean, you sent me a text about it. I remember the article. Check that out. It's me, you meant. Yeah, Zdarsky and Jimenez. Jimenez is like the artist on Miracle Molly, like all the best stuff in Future State, all Jimenez. Like I saw a uh, video he posted on Instagram yesterday, completely in Spanish. I'm like, I gotta learn Spanish. ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> ASAP. Uh, yeah. It's called Google Translate, okay? No, I wanna, I wanna learn this shit. It's gonna happen. Mm. While we're on the subject of Spidey, I wanna bring up Carnage. Now you may begin. I have, thank you. I appreciate the. Uh, <laughs> I'm all discombobulated and a little flustered. <laughs> Screwed up your your flow. Carnage forever. You're right. Uh, like all the carnage stories for the past, like what, like since Century ripped his ass in half, like back in like 2000, like what, like. Six, I think it was about 2009. Uh, seven. Because yeah, Carn- sure, something like that. Because Carnage wasn't around during Dark Reign. <coughs> Sentry had just come back and under control, and uh, so Dark Reign was like two thousands, like late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight. 
Okay. It's always like Carnage USA. <laughs> like it's 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 a lot of overly dramatized uh, digital art, but this one goes into two little individual stories. We get a small little girl outside of the orphanage that burned down because of Cletus Cassidy. And this guy walks past, and he's like, hey, what are you doing here, little kid? She says, I'm drawing, I can't stay home, my parents are... Like, she basically tells him, my, my parents are crackheads, and I can't be there for a while, and I can only go home late at night, and... Don't... He's like, just don't go in that, that dilapidated building. Dilapidated building. Nothing good happens there. And she's like, okay. And she goes in, and the, uh, the carnage symbiote is inside that still has the codex of Cletus Cassidy. Like, so basically, it's not the body of Cassidy, the the mind of Cassidy is still inside the carnage symbiote, and they need something. They need a body. She goes inside, and he takes over the body, and the little girl goes home, and parents are shooting up. Mm. She she massacres them. (laughs) She... She decimates them completely, and, and, and what confuses me is that uh, Cassidy has a body in in this little girl. She's all into it. She goes back, she's drawing on the on the uh, sidewalk again, and homeboy that walks past is like, you know, he's, he's been worried about her because he hasn't seen her in a while, he knows she's pretty much homeless, and... She kills him too. Turns out that uh, Cassidy remembered him as the the one kid that actually got out of the fire when he set the place on fire as a kid. And uh, story ends, and then we get to the second part where uh, the artwork is a little more beefed up, and the Carnage symbiote, still possessed by Cassidy, breaks into. Uh, they don't really say it's not the raft. Um, just super containment for super super villains and Hydro Man is in his super containment unit and Carnage comes in and he's like I know what you want you want a body I'll do it get me out of here mm. here's how to get me out he tells, he knows how to mess up the system to open up his, his cell his super cell and Carnage comes in and he's like okay I'll be your host he's like I don't want a host I just want your powers I don't need I don't need your body for that. And so now Carnage has killed Hydro Man and has the powers of Hydro Man now. Infused and I can't I can't remember the last time I, I had so much fun with a Carnage story. It's always been like just massacres and Carnage being like, Ah, it's gonna be Carnage. We wanna kill everybody. Um I'm gonna yeah. kill the whole universe. Uh it, it's one of those things I've kept with it. And but it's been a while since I, I got on the jazz about a Carnage story. And it was a lot of fun, and there's not. I mean, Carnage is pretty. He's not a three-dimensional character. No, he doesn't change. I mean, that's the you know, <clears throat> three-dimensional characters. Three-dimensionality is built on protagonists, and you know when they decided to take Venom and make him a lethal protector in San Francisco because he was so popular. Let's give Le- let's give Venom his own s- series. It's like, uh, he's that popular? Okay, well, he's not a good guy, but uh, now we're going to try to make him a good guy so that he's appealing to everybody. It's like, you know, honestly, the crazy thing is that they've done better doing that with the Tom Hardy movies than I feel like they ever did in the comics because it was super-duper forced. 
but at least a weird car- vintage. I'm sorry, am I saying carnage or am I saying venom? Venom. Uh, said vintage. Yeah, I'm, I'm vintage. Vintage definitely has been a thing. Uh, Here it's lovely this time of year. In vintage, yes, yes. The uh, yeah, vintage with the uh, the Gardonlias. I don't know whatever. Um, so it was a super terrible attempt. I apologize for that. I won't ever do that one again. I. Uh, <laughs> the hell was I talking about? You're like vintage, vintage, Venom being lethal protector, <laughs> and it, <laughs> about protector and it was forced. Yeah, it's super for it was it was always super forced. Even in the nineties, the first time they tried to do it, and uh, but when they did stuff where they'd like, okay, somebody would fight him and he'd get stuck on an island, and then Darkhawk finds him, like you know, months later or something. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, let's now now he's coming off of it. And he's going to go do what he's going to do and all that. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm wondering to, to to wrap this up. I'm wondering if they were at a crossroads. Where do we take Carnage now? Does he have Hydra Man's powers? Or is he Cletus Cassie inside the, the mind, sharing the symbiote mind, inside a little murderous little girl? And I think that they fucked up and they're going to lean into this uh, Hydra Man power thing because, like, I mean, he was always, like, what it, like you know, a, a liquid form. Mm-hmm. Like, what does he need to get in the water supply? This isn't fucking um, Dreamcatcher. Um, I think it would be so much more fun if it was a little girl. Why yeah, not? I'm fine with that. Why not? You know, if you want to keep Cletus in there, you know, deep in the uh, deep in the subconscious, or have him like yelling at the girl and making her crazy, like uh, Peter was yelling at uh, Doctor Octopus. That'd be all right, you know. Three minds. Duality of purpose. Three sure. minds, not two. Innocence, mm. murderer, alien symbiote, one mind, who's in control. That's awesome. Why not? Um, it's but, interesting because, like, if you turn around and Spider-Man goes after, he can't punch a little girl. No. Oh man, good point. Great point. All right, we Excellent. can't. We can't write. We can't, we're we're writing it. Writing it for them here. Yeah. How do you fight? How do you fight a murderous little girl when you're? When you're freaking Peter Parker, the Sentry gonna rip yeah. a little girl in half and throw her in an orbit? Probably not. Sentry yes. might. Sentry. He would totally do that. He might. The Void would. Oh, the Void. Yes. The Void would. So, yeah. So, like, I feel like this was a crossroads. Like, what the hell do we do here? And we're like, the artwork is drastically different on both of them. Both of them are great. The um. One of them is better, but even then, it ends in, like, a Cletus Cassidy, like, crossword puzzle. Like, what is it, all squares? I don't know. I just turned the page and it was over. Um, before, we can't talk about it tonight, but, Tony, did you finish Arkham City? No. Freaking, I haven't seen issue six yet. It's supposed to, I think it's coming out tomorrow, or today. Well, that is correct. It did come out today. Today, we definitely didn't get it last Tuesday. I didn't. I haven't picked it up yet. You're correct. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, I know. It, it was amazing. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, but that's what I got on that one, guys. Um, I don't know. What do you guys want to do next? Tony, it's your turn. 
Or no, Colin, it's your no, turn. It's, uh, Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin, 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 give, uh, give us some Fantastic Four. I mean, we're in the jazz. We're, yeah. We're... I'm going to jump. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to. Um, Start oh, the... I forgot to mention. I forgot to mention Fantastic Four uh, Life Story issue number six. Uh, I've got that also, but uh, you know we'll have we'll have way more stuff going on. Uh, interestingly enough, okay, so yeah, we, we we talked about it yesterday, and I was like, yeah, I've been sleeping on FF for a minute here. I need to go back and check some things out. And uh, one of the things that was really entertaining, you were not kidding, is going back as far as uh, FF number thirty-eight. Um, it's not Diablo. Crap! What the what the devil is this character? Uh, Mole Man. No, no. It's a different guy. Uh, it's just cosmic. been so long since I saw anything. Tony it's not It's not really the cosmic thing. It's the uh, the wizard. Um, wizard. Going back that far, they're tying up all of this stuff so that they could have the, uh, the Reckoning War hit at exactly the time they wanted to. So they spent two really fun issues... Uh, questioning like the validity of a a uh, the appearance of the wizard, who is a vintage vintage uh, FF bad guy. He's uh, showing up saying he's reformed and he wants to take custody of Bentley twenty three, who is a clone of him. Yep. That uh, you know Valeria thinks highly of and stuff like that. And uh, Dragon Man of all characters has like a guardianship over this character and um uh they get into a court battle and they they call in uh jennifer walters the she-hulk with uh the (laughs) like the green flaming four flare uh there were a lot of cool cute callbacks you know and it's fun because it's like automatically yeah i mean she-hulk is an essential ff family member pretty much don't, uh don't but they forget. get into the court case and hold on don't, don't forget i have the coolest she hope poster of all time <laughs> apparently so not that not that we can see it you're pointing to it but uh but uh the the fun thing is that they go into a court and the super the 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 judge is a woman who hates doing superhero stuff and has superpowers that are not well defined. And they were like, she gets, you know, the thing will get angry or Sue storm will get angry. And suddenly someone's pulling out powers. They are threatening to get into a fight in court. And she Hulk is just like, no, no, don't like, we gotta, we're going to lose our ability to carry on this way. And the judge will like use her superpowers and threaten everybody. And it's just like, how come she's never even uh, shown up to help us fight off Thanos or whatever we got to do? Uh, it's just kind of awesome that to, to go to that point. Anyway, like the legal trickery in this was really, really awesome. Uh, you know, uh, the art is really great. There's uh, a whole lot of cute stuff. It's just, it was a really entertaining story and it, and uh, it goes on for two issues uh, capping it off at issue four, uh, right before forty, so that we could get into the reckoning war. So I'm going to jump into that. Please do. And uh, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say that I legit know anything out about this outside of what I read in the book. Basically, we got to go back to an unfortunate story uh, several years ago when Nick Fury. 
disappeared from the earth, and no no one has seen or heard of him since. Nobody even knows if he's alive because he uh, the orb or what is it? Yeah, was that the name of the character? The orb? Yeah, but it was, or the this eye. Was, this was the original sin story. Yeah, it was so bad. Uh, this this obnoxious character who sees everything has seen too much. Uh, spawned the entire unworthy Thor storyline, which was quite good, honestly. Um, but uh, he knows all the secrets of the Watcher, like he had the Watcher's eyes. And so he'd seen everything. So inexplicably, uh, a new Watcher has to take the place. And wasn't it... Uh, wasn't it... Uh, uh, yeah, wasn't it um, the Winter Soldier for a minute? Uh, listen, man. Like I read all those that books, was so but it long was, ago. But it was, it's not that it was so long ago. It, I just didn't like it. Like my brain just didn't exactly. It. I I feel the same way. I'm kind of frankly surprised that I'm pulling this much out of it. But uh, ultimately, what happened was Nick Fury became the new Watcher on the Moon, seeing everything happen on Earth and virtually everywhere else, for that matter. Because it really starts to appear as though there may be only three Watchers. Um, and uh, uh, it's it, like if, if Uatu was blinded or was gone or dead, then I don't understand what happened because he's alive and well on the moon and they're communicating with one another. And then uh, what we start to realize is that there is a race of beings, I think, called the Reckoning, who are as old as the universe itself. And as old as the Watchers, who had their incredible technology eons and eons ago, and they... It reminds me of they, the uh, Greek story where... Uh, who, who brought fire to humans? Was it Icarus? Icarus th- uh, flew too high to the... Icarus flew it, too close to the it, sun. Was it Prometheus? Yeah, Prometheus sounds a lot more likely. I'm not super on that stuff. Yeah, I do. Uh, they, 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 the, the watchers were not the watchers then. And they found some races of beings in the universe that were like, you know what, let's help them a little bit so that they can progress and maybe eventually become our equals and whatever. I'm going to sneeze. Yeah. They, they gave the, they gave the internet and ICBMs and Bussy and nuclear <laughs> bombs to cavemen that immediately said, Let's fuck everyone. Yeah, up. we're just gonna fight everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's more or less what happened. They uh, they tried to increase the abilities of mortals, and it did not go well for them. And uh, so these people who still exist, I guess they had a war that destroyed nine tenths of the universe, and the universe that we can experience is one-tenth of all possible reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like a wasteland everywhere else. So this being is like, I'm going to avenge myself on on these Watchers who still exist. And the Watchers are like, okay, hey, if the Reckoning is coming, we can no longer not interfere. We have to get involved. Right. Because they have have weapons. It was a Watu that said that. A Watu said that. The Watu in particular, and he he did a call-out to two other Watchers Ah, thank you. Uh, it was definitely Prometheus, as per Tony. Yep. So, um, thumbs thank up. Thank you, Tony. Uh, so he, uh, so yeah, he's like, hey, I'm going to call out to all these Watchers, 
and uh, they know they've got to get involved. But just at that moment, a super ramped up powered Badoon ship from Guardians of the Galaxy that shows up and destroys our moon. That's like, yeah, like what you were saying when we were talking about it last night. This is canon now. The moon of Earth has been destroyed and all of these superheroes are desperately trying to stop moon rocks from like killing people. And I'm, I'm, I gotta say, given the way, okay, the illustrations and the panels on that page when the moon gets destroyed, I didn't really even know that's what was going on. It's kind of dumb. It's right there. It takes up a quarter of the page. But like, I'm reading about Nick Fury. I'm reading. I'm reading the story, and then it doesn't necessarily say like they fired on the moon and they're blowing it up or whatever. You're just, I'm reading the stuff and I'm not looking at every little thing. I don't know. I don't feel like it was the best, most uh, illustrative way that they could have done that. But you can't not know that that's what's happened just like on the next page. It just was a little jarring, as if the moon blowing up wouldn't be jarring. But um, everybody's dealing with night. Oh yeah, what happens in Moon Knight? That's a huge question. I don't know. I don't know yet. Colin, keep talking. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him his answer. Okay, okay, yeah, because I don't know the answer to that yet. Anyway, you've got this supercharged army of idiot badoons showing up on Earth, and they are definitely a faint, so that something other or something better or bigger can be happening. And then these other weird time stream characters who I'm not terribly familiar with. But I guess that uh, She-Hulk has had a uh, – they might be TVA from the Loki series. Uh, they show up in these ridiculous, over-the-top, uh, you know, God, I mean, just super stupid costumes. And uh, they're basically like, yeah, okay, well, some of this stuff isn't supposed to be what happened, but this is all definitely your fault, She-Hulk. And there she's, and she knows it. She Hulk's like, I know it, but like, there's got to be a way to stop this. Meanwhile, it, the best part of this whole story so far is this: these couple of pages where the Silver Surfer is interacting with the like Queen of Possibility while she's trying to, um, uh, she's trying to look after Eternity. Uh, who, of course, if you're not familiar because you're not reading a ton of uh, cosmic Marvel stuff. All of these concepts are personified in Marvel Comics. So Eternity is a being. The last time and we had Eternity was at the end of Secret War, and uh, Silver Surfer like took the the Doom mask off of Eternity. Like Doom basically had the a, a Doom oh. Cerebro on Eternity. And that's when Eternity finally free was able to fix everything within reason. Um, but that's the last time I can remember Eternity being mentioned in Marvel Comics at all. Mm, all right, that makes sense. Meanwhile, uh, Reed Richards and the FF launch into space and they get into the moon debris and they're trying to stop it from all raining down on the Earth. But they encounter Nick Fury and then... Uh, Nick Fury's like, look, the Watcher still exists. I know you're surprised that I still exist. 
but the watcher put his entire record into this sphere of like, it looks like a crystal ball. Reed Richards, everybody is like, I got to tap into it. No, don't tap into it. Don't do it. Reed. And he's like, I got to tap into it. So he does, he gets the entire history. He knows absolutely everything. And, uh, he immediately starts formulating plans on, on how to deal with things. And, uh, I don't want to get into issue Pause. 41 cause it came out today. But, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the complete opposite of what we've ever seen in any movie when someone who wants absolute knowledge gets it. That's true. Think think the uh, end of, uh, at at the most base level, the end of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, man, that was exactly what I started thinking. Kate Benchette was like, I want to know everything. And then they give it to her. She's like, no, it's too much. It's too much. New money. And she disintegrates. Uh Reed, on the other hand, is like, "Uh, I'm going to go shave. Yeah, I can do something with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go shave. Uh, give me a minute. Like he, like I've never seen Reed like this. And, and yeah, I, and you know, and Tony, you know, I, I'm a I'm a diehard FF fan. I don't talk about it as much. It's not as exciting to talk about FF as Spawn or uh, uh, Ice Cream Man or uh, Street Dogs, but this is this is my bread and butter. And watching Reed like like uh, it like. When Osmondeus is like, when you were seeing Dr. Manhattan on television, expressionless, I've been studying him for so long that the, the simple twitch, I, he was sobbing to me. And the, when he went and shaved, I had to put the book down. It, it, was, something, yeah. it was something so disjarring to me. Like, like, like he could have gone and ate some chips and salsa like he can do right now or went and slapped the layer <laughs> for being a little shithead. I've been like whatever, but the the simple act where he's like, it, it's how many times have you ever met anyone that went through something very uh, catastrophic, and they cut all their hair off? I've sort of seen it done, and you know, I mean, it's a or, 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 something or they, they, did, or you they know, went and got a happens tattoo. Happens Empire Records, if you care about it. Correct. Or they went and got a tattoo. Mm-hmm. They did something body altering. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. shaved his goatee off, but then he's like, "Now, oh, by the way, um, I did the calculation in my mind. We got a lot of work to do, and everyone's going to be more responsive to us if we are in our classic FF. Like, he snaps his fingers, and poof, they're, you know, the unstable molecules, like, automatically mm-hmm. adhere to his mind. Like, we got to look like old school four in the circle. And um, things like, you know, I got too much thigh and whatever. And we we get like he's got a million things going. Hey Valeria, let me let me borrow your little walkie-talkie cerebro to call Silver Surfer for a second. And Sue, just give me a minute here. But um, hey, hey, like you're super smart now. Johnny's like you're super smart. Yeah. Uh, can you make me not supersonic, burning supernova the whole time? Yeah, I totally can. But I'm not because you actually uh, my ultimate weapon here. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> he's like fuck you yeah. like like th- this hurts like he's hurting he's in the containment suit and uh they find out that like so many different planets are being targeted by the Badoon and uh the Ravagers uh, is it the Ravagers I'm, I'm, I'm spacing like, uh, the Reckoning the Reckoning that um 
he finds out that his previous ex soulmate that left his ass after she found out that she cheated on he cheated on her uh, right before Doom's wedding, which caused oh, yeah. so much bullshit. And she broke her soul. <laughs> Very ring. good episode. Yeah. Very good issues. So. She 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 broke her soul ring, which was basically a. It's not a wedding ring. It's a soulmate ring. Soul binding. The pain broke it off her arm. She takes back off mm-hmm. to the original planet she came from, which was the original planet the the FF were headed to in issue one, like original issue one. And the mm-hmm. the unparalleled are there, and he finds out that the unparalleled that that planet is being attacked by the Badoon to spread more chaos. And he, they needed the ship to get there, but super powered supernova, he gets there like that, and um, that's where we're gonna get to in uh, forty one. And uh, I read that book today, and I'm like, man, I want to tell you so much, but I can't. Like, it, it, it like it would be <laughs> lots of spoilers. No, it's not just spoilers, man. Like, like, yeah, you can ruin a movie, but you can still enjoy it. But if I tell you this, mm-hmm. you're not going to enjoy it. I, I would be stealing your enjoyment. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, it was really, uh, you know, that's basically, that's covering uh, three issues. And, well, two FF issues and the Reckoning volume, or Reckoning issue number one. So well, there's, there, there was that. There's two other things that um, we need to talk about before we can move on. Is the fact that Reed Richards calls the Silver Surfer like, "Yo, Nora Rad, we need help," and he's like, "Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do it." Uh, basically, what I'm what I'm gonna do right now, rather than help you, is me and all the other previous heralds of Galactus are gonna invade Asgard and steal the body of Galactus and resurrect it. Why are you doing this? Uh, I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> Pretty much. Galactus is a constant of the universe. Like him not existing is, or operating is a, it is an antithema to what a wonderful uh, the balance of reality. Well, whatever is going on, all the previous Terax, everybody, even Thor, mm-hmm. even Thor shows up. At Asgard, oh, awesome. while mm-hmm. the while the previous heralds of Galactus are killing Asgardians trying to stop them, he's like, "Why am I doing this?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you're, you're a previous herald of Galactus. You can't help it." Yeah, he's like, yeah, "I can't help it. Like this is pissing me off. I have no, I have no choice in this. All I can do is know that I have to help you." And uh, mm-hmm. when the second I have my free will back, you better pray I don't find you. Awesome. Yeah. So that's that's building into the story. Like I have never enjoyed a let me rephrase that. I have not enjoyed a Marvel event book like this where I'm reading it as fast as possible, but it's slowed down in the back of my head where I felt like I spent twenty, thirty minutes reading it, but only five minutes have gone by. Where my eyes are darting around everywhere. I'm, I'm enjoying the artwork. I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing every word, every $10 word. And it would be opposite of reading a fucking Walking Dead book. You know? Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. But like only five minutes ago, I, I paid $4 for this. Yeah. I paid $4 for this. And I, I spent 30 minutes in my head and only five minutes gone by. And I ravaged that book. And, um,. This is this is the, this is the juice. 
<laughs> it's good because, like, at the very least, you know, we always complain about these event books where everybody's running around in circles. At least it was when you had uh, uh, Bendis writing them. It's like people just running around for three or four issues going, what's going on? Uh, like, literally everybody's saying that, and then basically one person figures it out shows up and there's a splash page of Captain America looking directly at you like we're going to do something. Yeah, and then on, the next issue, they get it all tied, tied up in one issue, but, you know, Black Goliath got killed or something like that. Some total F-lister. And it's like, this is way better than that. This book is way better than that. And at the same time, I got to say, Devil's Reign has been super rad. There's a new issue today. I haven't got to read it yet, but that that has been a good book. Uh, it's it's kind of the better sequel to Civil War and Avengers Disassembled. I think I think it's the best. Uh, well, if we're gonna redo something along the lines of having the bad guys be in charge of everything. And uh, have people have, have having good guys and good guys and bad guys and bad guys have to fight each other? Then, then um, they're doing a good job of it in Devil's Reign. Anyway, uh, Fantastic Four. Huh? I agree with what you're telling saying about Devil's Reign, but when it comes to uh, the Reckoning War, um, wow! Uh, I think this has the potential to be. Infinity War good. Do you think that this ends up uh, a movie? Like getting a, a movie? movie? In 20 years? Ultimately, does this end up being a movie at some point? A movie in twenty years, if they are maybe thirty, yeah, I have a first slow burn. This would be really good, but uh, but I really want you to think about it in in the context of how much we enjoyed reading uh, everything about Korvac and um, oh yeah. And, and Adam Warlock and really having to put the work into it, but it didn't feel like work because we just like these are interesting new ideas and new characters and new new styles of things and why not? Like we where it makes you hungry for something that you didn't know that you'd be hungry for. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's where I am with this. That's a good point. This is a meal I didn't know that I should have. Yeah. I haven't tried this Vietnamese food before. And it's I was like, going to say Indian. I was going to say Indian. Hell yeah. We're on the Indian same fucking food page where this at. shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's exactly. And, and, and thank well, you. Me. Well, 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 don't forget. There's one last thing before we move on. Mm-hmm. What happened with Captain America's shield? When that's what I, I called you last night on the jazz about this. Oh no, dude! That's a, that's an issue forty-one, which I did not read today. So, I know what you're saying. You can you can do it if you want to. Reed taps in, tells everyone how to. I mean, he basically like has Cerebro in his mind. Where Xavier, yeah, that has, makes sense. Has has to put Cerebro on. He shows back up on Earth. Moon is destroyed. The Avengers are doing everything they can to stop the, uh, you know, the rocks from falling and killing anyone. Badoon are fighting. Shows up. Shaves. While he's shaving. Communicates to everyone. Uh, Tony, uh, I just have 
an astronomical amount of data I need you to process real quick, but I need you to focus on this, and I need you to do this. Sure thing. Okay. Sure thing. Cap. I need you to, I need you to do something no questions asked. What do you want me to do? Give Vance Astro your shield. <laughs> now, yep. now, in the first issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, from, like, what, 92? Mm-hmm. 92? The first issue of Guardians of the Galaxy was, like, in 67 or something. Well, we're like talking that. about, like, the, the current iteration that, like, where we first get Yondu and shit like that, and Vance Astro. Yeah, sure. Um, no, that's still that's still back then. I know what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. But it's the quest for the shield. That's what it amounts to. Vance Astro is wielding the shield. Uh, there is no yes. there is no Star Lord. Major victory. Major victory. Vance Astro becomes major victory, and he becomes the Captain America of the 31st century. He has Captain America's shield. Uh-huh. Communicates to Cap. Give Vance Astro the shield. He doesn't question it, but it gives you a small little breakdown. The Badoon mm-hmm. that, that they are currently fighting, in their historical lore, they know that it has been prophesized that this man wielding this shield will destroy them. It is is their doom. And Cap throws it, Vance Astro, he starts kicking ass. I mean, basically, Freddy Krueger just showed up. Like, your mom told you Freddy Krueger doesn't exist. He's not going to hurt you. Um, but then there is Freddy Krueger with, instead of the, 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 the razor the glove, the razor glove is, oh, yeah, is right. the shield that was you were told in your dreams was going to destroy you. And just he, he becomes this like astronomical monument of like fighting power because he just instills fear. Uh-huh. And which is such a great concept because he's not scary looking. He he looks like a hero. Like like to us oh, yeah. he looks like a hero. But to them, he's he's the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> like the boogeyman just showed up. <laughs> and and uh, the, that was that's when I that's when I was like I put the book down and was just like, okay, just gotta digest for a second. Like like here it comes and I gotta call Colin immediately because I wouldn't have known this and read those books had you not made me fucking read those books but that's what I got on that uh, I'm, I god damn I can't wait for this like I'm, I've been thinking about it all day man listen Motley Crue <laughs> who's next let me jump let me jump briefly through uh, a different FS story here. Please. FF, uh, Fantastic Four Life Story number six, the tens. Uh, I, you know, as a whole, this story is, is, is pretty interesting. All six issues together, it's it's. Yeah, man, I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to dive into a huge thing about the situation in the Ukraine, except that there are some fascinating parallels here, and I know that they were not intended at all. Uh, We all were listening. I mean, if you're listening to the news through January and February, Russia's moving stuff. Russia's moving stuff. It seems like there's good, you know, they're going to do something. We all just thought, oh, they're going to pull back and they're going to go home. thing happens in this story it's like like 
okay, Galactus, we know Galactus exists in issue number one, and we focus on it, and we find a way to deal, we're thinking of ways to deal with it, we're thinking of ways to deal with it, it's just never happening, never happening, never happening. And then Galactus shows up, Reed Richards does what he needs to do, and the psychic bond that they have fritzes him out, but they defeat Galactus, and he, you know, he's done. So, at the same time, without Reed Richards in the world, Dr. Doom takes over much of Europe, and it looks like most of Asia, not parts of Russia, not all of Africa, not uh, and like most of South America. Like he really goes out and and takes over the place, and uh, you know everybody's getting older. Sue is quite old at this point. Uh, Captain America is seen to be in a retirement home and he's quite old and he has the shield and everything. And I'm like, why doesn't somebody else have the shield? Why doesn't Steve Rogers just retire? And why isn't there a different Captain America? That seems like exactly what needs to have happened there. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's just getting older, but, uh, the heroes who do still exist, the younger heroes, Miles Morales and Captain Marvel and uh, <coughs> Ironheart, uh, are all fighting Doombots, I think, in Europe. Um, and uh, it's just like there's not enough time to build this up. It's just suddenly, okay, well, we defeated Galactus in issue five. So the stunning ending is that Doom has taken over the rest of the world in the handful of years since that happened. Like the there was disunity or something in the world because we didn't have that single thing to be focused on anymore. That not everybody was really taking seriously for like – not hard to make that leap in logic. Uh, right. And ultimately uh, – Ultimately, the question becomes, like, are we all going to help fight Doom or do or are we not going to, you know, like because we're old and we can't do it. And it's like even if you're old and you can pick up that weapon, you've got to get in there like that's the only way that it's going to happen. So there is a there's a moment where, like, all of these heroes, old and young, kind of stand firm and they stop the uh, Doombot attacks, even though those Doombots are made of vibranium. And uh, Doom is like, okay, fine. If that's what's going to happen, I'm executing everybody. And uh, it's basically like all Doombots are just going to randomly fly to different city target destinations and cause as much damage as they possibly can simultaneously. So it's his Doomsday scenario, I guess. And... uh, It's kind of crazy because the mad thinker who's been in the employ of Doom for all of these years finds a way to escape. He gets to uh, Reed Richards and Johnny, uh, not Johnny, um, Franklin Richards is there and he's like, look, I've been trying to communicate with my dad forever. I don't know how you're going to be able to. And this is where the whole story just kind of drops the ball. I guess Reed at some point downloaded his entire consciousness or something into a Reed Richards head, and I'm going, I like a like a disembodied head, and I'm going, I hope that that's something from an old issue of FF that I'm not thinking of, that I'm not familiar with, because it's just super weird for there to be this moment where a former villain shows up and says, we need Reed Richards, you have the codes to this, well, I made sure. 
Don't forget that Kang issue. Was it 45? Or was it 40? When I told you I when, don't know. when Junior Junior took over. Oh, the Council of Kings? Yeah, the Council of Kings. Mm-hmm. When, when yeah. we need Nathaniel. Yeah. And, well, we didn't really need, we, we needed the secrets of Nathaniel. But mm-hmm. what they didn't know what they were actually getting was a codex for Nathaniel to tell Reed, yo, I'm your dad. I fucked up. I know. Here's oh, how yeah. I mean, here's, that's essentially what to, happens here. Here's how to fix everything. Here's how to fix everything. And, yeah. And only you know. Oh, by the way, you have a sister. A <laughs> <laughs> little extra spice, but like... um why not? Like, and, and it's funny when you say that. Like they, like they're all in rest homes. Maybe. Do you think like there was like a writers' meeting where they're like, okay, if we were Stanley, and it's 1972, and we're writing old FF. Uh-huh. What would their sensibilities be without television, the internet, with? Uh, streaming, whatever, all our technological necessities that we have now, that we, our luxuries that we rely on, where would they, where do you think Stan would land on old Cap? Like Cap being elderly? Yeah. Rest home. Honest, I mean, uh... Is he still hanging on to glory, not giving the shield to anyone, even though there are better super soldiers out there? No, there's no way that he would do that. And at the same, somebody would have that shield, you know. It would be, it it might not be Sam even because it's much later. There's, I, I still think to this day that there should be a Captain's America. Like there should be multiple people who are, who are are Captain's America. Like we're talking about a Batman Inc. or a, or a Spidey, Spidey Enterprise or whatever the hell you're talking. You know, you're saying earlier. It's just like, but. I don't think that they thought that this was going to last that long. I think that I don't think that they thought that these these characters and stories were going to be so iconic that they outlasted them. You know, and uh, I was listening to a, a podcast with Rogan the other day, and he was talking about how Elvis was the first rock star. There was, that makes sense. There sure, was, there was no one before him that preceded him. They can be like, yo, Elvis, lay off the pills. Yo, lay off the booze. Lay off the... Uh-huh. Like, like, here's the problems you're going to encounter. There was no one that's going to tell Stan Lee or Jack Kirby, like, uh, what you're about to make is going to be... Gonna, uh, it's going to be huge. Ingrained in the psychological ether uh, where uh-huh. cops have Punisher stickers on their... On, person or their their cruisers or their actual cars uh, where you and I like I refer to you as my own personal Captain America right on and, and yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't mean that as a lark like uh, I mean that like true blue Madonna true blue um, this is going to be ingrained in everyone's psyche and they were like how could you tell someone that Careful what you're writing. Careful. I don't think they would have taken the chances that they took if they if they uh, if somebody told them to be careful. I think you know, Kirby, I think, I think they, Kirby would have. I think Kirby would have made the new gods ten times crazier. 
<laughs> like, I stand a chance, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I think that this this book took a total swerve at the end, and it went from something that was totally cohesive to something that was like, okay, your your finale act it doesn't have anything to do really with the rest of the story, but you're trying to make it bittersweet because it's the same freaking Reed Richards story. I got all this stuff I got to do and I can't make enough time for my family and my wife is upset and my son is upset and my best friends are upset and Johnny's dead. Like it just, it's, it's like, yeah, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. It's, it's the trope that Reed Richards is so focused on something that he can't come up for air and go to the park with people. And, uh, that's how every Reed Richards, uh, like, that's how every like elderly Reed Richards story that I've ever seen has been. So I just feel like this fell flat. It was the same thing. Uh, it it's like, too bad because the Spider-Man life story was so awesome. I, but I, I guarantee they do another one. Do you think they're going to do Cap or do you think they're going to do feel, Hulk next or something? I feel like we should wait and give them maybe <clears> like two more stories to do the way we did like uh, Daredevil Yellow. Or was it was mm-hmm. it Cap, Captain, oh, Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb? Yeah. Was it was it Captain America Yellow or Captain America White? It was Captain America White, Hulk Gray, Spider Man Blue, Daredevil and Yellow. Daredevil Yellow, yeah. Yeah, I like. I think I think we may maybe need to like wait it out a little bit. I as long as it's contiguous, because I feel like there was at least one or two moments where Spidey and FF like co like intermingled properly and uh i hope that that's the the other universe they're trying to do there uh without doing like a bullshit universe uh like ultimates thing i get it no man i like the whole ultimates thing but i get you yeah no i mean i liked it too but like it there was it went off the rails near the end (laughs) the x-men thing no it totally did but that's because you know Jeff Loeb was involved, and he hated the Ultimate Universe. We talked about that. Yep. Tony, give us yeah, some... Yeah, yeah, all right. Tony, we bored you long enough uh, with some cosmic shit. Give us some Batman killing killing time. All right, let's see here. All right, so this one kind of jumps uh, time-wise a little bit. But we started off with this uh, rather large gentleman walking into this bank and this uh this cop knows something's about to go on but he lets it he lets the gentleman walk in and then we go into this uh we go back in time a little bit and this same cop is enamored with this stripper <laughs> and we're not quite sure where this is going with that but uh he's definitely uh interested when she offers him a uh, an autograph or something, so we see that this uh, this same gentleman, like I said, let's this larger gentleman into the bank, and somebody's radioing on him, just kind of double checking, hey, making you know, you're staring at somebody, is everything good? And he's like, ah, no problems, you know, I got my uh, my kid's birthday this weekend, thinking about what to get him, but yeah, everything, everything's good. And then we go back a little bit further, a couple hours earlier, and this uh, this lady is playing tennis. This blonde lady is playing tennis with this dark-haired woman, and she's uh, she's trying to teach her how to play. Probably, you know, 
to play better. And she's like, you know, don't worry, Mrs. Barrington. I, uh, I haven't filled a client yet. You know, but we should move quickly. It looks like it's about to rain. And we go back to the to the bank, and the large gentleman's worked his way up to the front of the line, and demands all the money, and he wants all of it. And we go to the police precinct where uh, commissioner is being told, Commissioner Gordon's being told about some uh, trouble down at the First National Bank. Team's already on their way. And Commissioner Gordon's like, oh, how dark is it? And then we turn the next page, we see the first glimpse of Batman as he's heading towards the bank. But then we go back we go back to the uh the two ladies playing tennis, now they're inside, and we find out that the uh Miss Barrington is married to the guy in charge of the bank. And they're talking about how there's armed security around them at all times, and she's like she doesn't really doesn't really care for it so much. And she's talking about how her husband's at work can be sensitive, and he doesn't like to talk about it. But you know the guards are really more for show than anything else. And then the uh, the blonde, uh, you know, excuses herself to go to the restroom real quick. <clears throat> And then we go into the office of uh, Ronald Barrington, the husband. And he's, uh, he's trying to stretch out his office real quick. And then there is a, uh, a Mr. A.M. Ginnadrod, uh, vice president of security operations, here to see him. And he, you know, he thanks his secretary and tells her to bring him in. And then a, uh, a gentleman in a green suit walks in who, of course, is the Riddler. And the Riddler tells him, you know, he's about to get a call from his wife, and uh, I highly encourage you to answer it. And then we go back to the bank, and it turns out the, uh, the large gentleman in question is Killer Croc. Ooh. And he is trying to work his way into the, into the vault. But he's looking specifically for uh, Bank Vault Five for Bank Vault Five, and then we see a gentleman talking with somebody. And again, they're going back and forth, very Pulp Fiction-y. And this gentleman is grabbing a uh, what appears to be a goldfish out of a fish tank while talking to another gentleman. And then he's like, oh, you know, talking about this idea and whatnot. He's like, oh, it's a fantastic idea. You know, I can tell you're a real go-getter. And this is all going to work out fantastically. And then Batman finally shows up at the bank. And Croc turns around to look to see if anyone's behind him. And then we, we bounce back yet again to Riddler talking, or listening in while Mr. Barrington's talking to his wife. And he's ta- she's talking about how the other woman uh, is crazy and the guards are, you know, she's dressed in leather. And turns out that the blonde in question is Catwoman. So three of them. And she, yeah, mm. all of them, they're all, all four of them, actually. That's what about the discovery. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's like, you know, what, you know, 
just doing what I came here for, Miss Barrington. I'm here to give you a lesson, and we're going to work on that backhand of yours. Then we turn around, and Killer Croc is trying to, uh, like I said, get to that bank vault. And But he turns around, and then Batman grabs him. But we find out the, the Riddler has made it into the vault with the, uh, Mr. Barrington. And he's able to get into uh, Vault 5. But then we turn around and we see uh, from a few days ago, we have Killer Croc. And he's with a, he's with a woman. And he's talking about if he gets enough money... He can get the surgery and get skin grafts done. And fix himself? Yeah, and he, he's trying to fix himself. You know, she's, he's like, you know, you're one of the few that snow me, you know, forever. And he's like, you know, what would happen between us if I could fix myself? And she's just like, you're going to steal something, you're going to get caught again. You know, someone's basically paying you to be a loser. Someone's paying you to be a fall guy. And she's like, and he's just like, I know a guy, you know, and he's got all the money in the world. And the next page is Batman just punching Croc right in the face. And the whole time Riddler just basically walks past everybody and gets to this vault. And he gets what he's looking for and he escapes. At the same time, we go back to uh, to Mrs. Barrington with Catwoman and she's just telling, she's coaxing her through the phone call, talking about, I want you to be, I want him to know how scared you are. I want you to be honest about this. As she runs a claw down her cheek and she starts bleeding. And she's like, you know, just do what comes naturally and it'll all be perfect. And then we end up seeing Riddler, uh, Catwoman picks up Riddler in the car later on. And she's like, you know, I didn't pick you up for the company. And he's like, Selena, my dear, we did it. And she's just like, holy shit. We pulled it off. Yeah, they were able to get what's in the box. And then later that night, they meet up with a third person who's the penguin. Do I got to say it? What's in you the didn't box? Read it. What's in the box? We'll get there. <laughs> Maybe. What's in the box? Hmm. We have Penguin and Penguin, Catwoman, and Riddler all meet up at a park. And Penguin's just like, give it to me. And Riddler, of course, being the uh, the gentleman that he is, starts gloating. Talking about how everyone told him it was impossible. You know, he's just like, no, it just takes coordination. You know, not just coordination. It can't, it can't be done, according to Penguin. Walk, walk, walk. And he's just like, and Penguin's just like, I'm not here for games. I'm not a child. You know, we agreed. No weapons. You have an umbrella. And she, he, and Ridley's just like, give me the umbrella if this is not a, if this isn't a weapon. And he's like, yeah, of course. And if that's the case, before we do our exchange here, you know, let me have it. And we go to a quick scene from 405 B.C., where the priestess of the Temple of Athena attends a premiere of a Baca by Euripides on the southwest lawn of the Acropolis. 
And he's wearing a mask, as they do. And as, mes- as the messenger speaks, the priestess pictures a scene. She sees each gob of flesh ripped from the monarch. Finally, in her mind's eye, there's nothing left of the great man of Greece but his head on a spike and his blood on the ground. And then we turn around and we see Riddler beating the penguin to death with his own umbrella. That's awesome. As Catwoman just is so shocked, she just sits there and watches. And then the bat signal comes on and she just tells him to hurry up. And Riddler just looks over the prone body of the penguin. Talking about give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Give a man a poisoned fish, and he eats for a lifetime. So it turns out that a Riddler might have poisoned the fish the penguin ate earlier in the issue. They did that. They showed him uh, eating a fish in Detective last issue. Oh, like DeVito mm-hmm. style. Like, so they're bringing that back. No. Apparently they are. But the last scenes are Commissioner Gordon by the bat signal and Batman comes up behind him. You know, and he's like, Jim, the vault they accessed, was it Vault 5? And Jim's like, uh, yeah, I think that's what the bank president said. You know, how did you know? What was in the vault? Is it something I've got to worry about? And the last scene, the last paint, hey, uh, the last scene is this Jim Gordon sitting there holding his pipe, swearing to himself as he's left alone. What do you think it so is? Got, I don't know. We've got a very well thought out plan. We see three criminal masterminds working together. And they also hired freaking Killer Croc to be the fall guy. He's the pants. And you know, at the end of the day they've got something in they got something from this vault that apparently is a big enough deal. That A, they thought it couldn't be stolen, and B, three of the most diabolical minds in Gotham were willing to work together to get it. Now, and it has sounds- some, something to do with, I believe it would have something to do with that page of uh, ancient Greece. But maybe so, maybe no. My problem with all of this is that I keep getting suckered into Batman stories that. Uh, Homeboy Belanger, it was like five years ago. We were talking about uh, the schematics of being a comic book artist or writer and how to make the money and how the money comes. And he's like, yeah, everything was really good until DC starts publishing five fucking Batman books a week. That's happening right now. Um, Okay, fine. Um, no problem. We've got our big boy money. That's, we're contributing. It's not like we're, like, doing anything wrong. But, like, I feel like, uh, like, when, <clears throat> when I read newly, new Commissioner Gordon, I'm like, another, another Gordon just became fucking Commissioner. Like, like oh, I, yeah. I, I turned the book down. I was like, God damn it. Like, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep getting suckered into all these stories that may or may not matter. And this is, like, completely above what are our, our many conversations about canon. I, I'm not talking about canon here. I'm talking about, 
Like, are we reading just a bunch of fucking adult storybooks about Batman and which one matters to you and which one matters not to you? Like, like, I, I don't know. Like, I felt really grossed out that I closed the book. Another Gordon, like, like what? Like, am I that guy that, like, was really into Slayer and heard Slipknot and said, fuck Slipknot and give, didn't give him a chance? Because um, that would be a mistake. But at the same time, like, <clears throat> I don't want all those stories in my head at once. I, I, I like, does that make even sense? I, I can see your point on the fact that they're putting out a lot of Batman books because they undoubtedly are. We've had that same conversation about, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men, you know, anything, any property that's hot, they're going to put out 10 versions of it. It really just comes down to whether or not the stories are good. Like, I don't even think, I don't even think necessarily they're canon or not. We've had that whole thing with a uh, Task Force Z and Zombie Bane versus Joker. Yeah, I'm sure people were like, you know, F that story, like this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense because this is going to be How is it tied in? And, and I don't, I don't know why this one chafed me. I, I don't, I, I don't like. I, I wish I had a better. A better explanation for you, but like yeah. Gordon again, just like I said, I think I think the whole thing comes down to whether you enjoy the book or not. You know, it's it's like everything else. It's like wrestling. You know, you can you can enjoy multiple wrestling things. You can enjoy WWE as much as you enjoy AEW, as much as you enjoy Impact, or you can be a loyalist to one Fed. As a as a wrestling fan, that's your prerogative. You know, you know there there's the age old debate of oh Star Wars versus Star Trek. Why can't you enjoy them both? Right. You know, or if you I don't, do. you don't. You know, if you have one favorite, you have one favorite. Cool, whatever. Freaking, you know, you know, yeah, they are putting out a metric crap ton of Batman books right now. Like it's the amount of Batman books they're randomly putting out is ridiculous. But I think the thing it comes down to: are they good stories? You know, I've I've passed up a couple of them. Just uh, I passed up, you know, freaking um, imposter. You know, I, you you were like, yeah. oh, this is so good, so I went and picked it up. You know, and, uh, freaking, uh, you know. But then again, they had Reptilian, which you know, I, I read the first issue and I hated it. Was not a fan of it. Didn't like the way it. Batman was portrayed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, man. It's freaking, you know. If you're if you're into the story, you're into the story. If you're not into the story, who cares? You don't pick up the next issue. No bigs. Do you think, when it comes to a business perspective, that this is a problem? Oversaturation? It 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 comes down to quality. If they're if they're if you're if you're writing ten Batman books and nine of them are solid, fantastic. If you're writing ten Batman books and two of them are good and everything else is garbage, then ten it's going to show in the numbers. You know, if you're if they're selling well, they're selling well. If they're freaking, if the first issue sells well and the next two issues freaking don't sell worth the crap, then obviously you're oversaturating the market. Okay. I mean, pe- people are going to buy recognizable stuff. It's the yeah. it's the way things work. No, and I, I appreciate the the discourse on this because I I, I wasn't trying to hate on the book. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I just needed your perspective, and then to bounce that back off of you because I don't know why, like, 
any other day of the week, like, you know that's one of the reasons why I love Batman Year One so much, because it's all about Gordon. Mm-hmm. And, and Gordon's like, oh, I haven't been home in two days, and they're slept or whatever he said, and, well, how dark is it? And he turns the bat signal, and I'm like, ah. Like, there was just something to me that just groaned. And uh, I didn't know what it was. Because normally, I mean, you give me a piece of candy, I'm like, yeah, piece of candy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, man, but I mean, you you eat 20 pieces of freaking ca- uh, candy, you're going to give it a tummy ache. It is what it is. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good the wonderful. candy is, eventually you're going to have too much. That is a fucking wonderful metaphor for that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, they're freaking every time freaking. It ends, another one begins. Well, well, don't get me wrong. It's just whether whether you're going to be into that character, or whether you're going to be into that story or not. I'm going to finish the story. I mean, like you, you like one thing I love about how we work here at Minefields is like when the other one recommends the other, we we digest, we we think. It, like it's not like nah, fuck that. I don't like the Montreal Expos. I'm all about the Dodgers. I don't want to watch that game. No, we hear, we we listen to each other. I'm not, I'll digest. I just, uh, I it, it just there was something about that like that groan that came out of my head at that moment and made me turn close the book. It was like why, like it, it bothered me. It bothered me because I know I'm I'm the I'm always like loving new stuff and. And you, you guys always like check something out when I when I ask you to or tell you it's 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 the jazz. It's just it, it felt like a different level of groan, and it just hasn't set sat right with me. But hey, we all develop, we grow, or maybe I was just having a bad day today. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Star Trek Captain's Log stories one through four shots. One yeah, these are one shots. <clears throat> they're really simple stories. Uh, you know, they're not. Yeah, they're really simple stories. These came out a few years ago. These are IDW books. There were multiple uh, covers, like you'd like they do if you're into that kind of thing. The only one of these I ever saw on the stands was uh, the Captain Jellico book. Um, He's the captain that was portrayed by Ronnie Cox of RoboCop fame and several other things. He was in Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, And uh, he took over the Enterprise for Captain Picard when Captain Picard got sent on a secret mission uh, and then got captured by the Cardassians in the episodes Chain of Command Parts 1 and 2 You're talking about, in, I think, the sixth season of Next Generation. You're talking about the dude that, like, formally commanded Riker, and there was a serious conflict of interest going on. I mean, he was supposed to... His purpose was to go to the Enterprise and try to maintain the treaty that was going on between the Federation and the Cardassians. And he just had a completely different command style, absolutely different. So in this book, in this book in particular, uh, this is about part of his time on the, uh, on the USS Cairo. And, um, it's pretty awesome to see the interior of an Excelsior class ship depicted somehow. And, it looks really good, and then there's some like fun stuff where they have some characters some, on the on the Cairo that are aliens from the uh, 
the uh, cartoon series, the original series cartoons. Basically, the point of this is that he's got to have a new first officer. He gets this young lady, and he just kind of, like, puts her through the ringer. And there is a lot of dialogue. The whole thing is, I think, painted. Let me show you some of this artwork. Is this? Can you see that at all? Oh, I can absolutely see it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the brush strokes or... I don't, I don't know what the technique is here. It seems like it's painted. It could be markers. It could be – I just don't know. Uh, but it's good because it's consistent for one thing. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the depictions of everybody are just really, really good. No, nobody looks too much the same. It's not stylized. But, you know, the point of the story is that they encounter Cardassian, uh, who is threatening an outpost, and they basically trick the guy into revealing what he's doing, and uh, then they get into a minor firefight, and it just, it's an embarrassing thing for the Cardassians. It's just a little tiny story. It's a picture into Jellicoe's time, uh, either before or after the Enterprise command that he had um so that's that one uh b- before that there's uh, or simultaneously there's also a captain pike issue um Cap- captain pike was played by jeffrey hunter he's the captain of the enterprise in the very first ever episode of star trek uh and he couldn't come back like you know nbc or desilu uh, productions was like hey you know what um this is a good episode but we want you to redo it we want you to we want to we believe in the concept of the property but we want to do a totally different pilot episode can you do that and by that time jeffrey hunter was no longer available so they upgraded the costumes and they hired william shatner and they retained leonard nimoy and so Captain Pike has been like lost to history to a certain degree, and uh, the very so, you know anyway it, 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 he's still well known as the preceding captain of the Enterprise uh, to Star Trek fans. And then recently in the Star Trek movies that we had um, uh, with Chris Pine and those guys, Bruce Greenwood played him and did a fantastic job. And right now through Discovery. Uh, Anson Mount is playing him on the new Strange New World series, and it looks fantastic. It's going to be great. I think it's just going to be great. Um, The story of Captain Pike is that uh, he was definitely a guy that had been in command for a while, and he had seen too much death on their missions. And he's getting to a point in his career where he's going, why are we out here doing this if it's this dangerous? Like, people are just dying in droves. And, uh, you know, the first episode of Star Trek has him getting captured by the Telosians, and they, it's, a, it's, it's a classic sci-fi thing, you know? I'm, you're, you're aliens, and you're trying to give me everything that I could possibly want, but I don't want that because I want to be free, and I want to be who I am, and that means I have to experience the risks and the dangers of life. Um, in this story in particular, uh, it's a little over-stylized. It's, it's not super easy to keep up with everything that's happening. He and uh, his yeoman, Colt, had an experience where this random alien ship showed up and attacked them, and 
they beamed on board, set the thing to destroy it, and got out at the last gasp, I guess. And it sure read as though they got killed over there together. Like, there was no indication until you flipped the page that they escaped. Um, and then they're just, everything's fine, and they're on the bridge. And it's just a little, like I said this earlier, it's jarring. This was jarring. Uh, and then it's years later. And Colt is now captain of her own starship. And here's where I start to have flaws, uh, have problems with it, because as a Star Trek fan, I know we are the world's most annoying people about continuity and stuff like that. But it's important. Captain Pike, his injuries that debilitate him took place on a J-type freighter. And the ship in question looks just like a, another version of the Enterprise. It's not a J-type freighter. That's very disappointing. Uh, so, but Captain Colt is in charge of that ship, and uh, they encounter the same aliens, like, what is it, 10, 20 years later, and Commodore Pike goes out uh, and try. he's like, I'm going to find a way to save the ship, and it, it, like, doses him massively with radiation. He's totally scarred. And he ends up in a wheelchair that like encapsulates him. And that's how he made his first real appearance into Star Trek was being a disfigured person uh, in a wheelchair. And all he could do was say yes and no with one and two blinks of a light on the wheelchair. This has been massively messed with by the fan base forever as it's ridiculous and corny and it doesn't make any sense, but we accept the fact that that's the way it is. And then I think even Futurama did a really good riff on this. Uh, this was not my favorite one in this this series. Um, further after that, Captain's Log Harriman, focusing on uh, a- Alan Ruck's role in Star Trek Generations. I love Alan Ruck. A- Alan Ruck, man, I'm glad you know him by name. Alan Ruck, who... Uh, famously portrayed Cameron Fry, yeah, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he uh, he appears in Star Trek Seven as the captain of the Enterprise B, uh, and tragically, that is the story where Captain Kirk is killed or goes missing in action, anyways. And so, was that the one uh, where there was the Kirk from the future that showed up? And, um, no, I, this is a feature film, and I don't think you've seen it. Right, you're, you're, uh, I was talking about the comic. You're talking about a movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's his. That's yeah. Uh, Alan Ruck playing John Harriman, Captain of the Enterprise B. We have an expertly drawn. Yeah, this is this is pristine. This is some of the best. This is the best art out of the series. I think. Take a look at that. Look at the subtle, that's gorgeous. Like the detail, the nuance. It's just fantastic. Old bones. Oh my god! Yeah, Doctor McCoy is uh, on board the Enterprise B. Thinks he knows his way around. He's on a totally different ship than he's used to. Uh, And Captain Harriman is experiencing a ton of self-doubt. And McCoy is coming down on him real hard. Oh man! Yeah, I want to say this. Look at this. They're still having discussion. Just again, look at the it's, look at the quality. Yeah, you have any idea? Like, like, okay, so expert quality, but when it turns to that being, is not when simple. it comes when it comes to being an artist, 
being able to draw mm-hmm. the same person that looks like the same person in different mm-hmm. angles is exceptionally hard. That's one of the, oh, that's completely. One of the biggest, biggest uh, hurdles to, to overcome as an artist. Cause you can't just, you can't just be willy nilly on stuff. You got to have a uniform style. That's what he looks like in this angle. He's got to look like that from that angle. Mm-hmm. Above and, 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 and to capture Alan Ruck like that. And, but then like, to do old bones and he doesn't even look like old bones like like from like next generation he just like, like appropriate he, no because he's this is old bones from uh star trek six yes basically so yes, not that uh, you know because generations is 78 years later um but yeah oh, dude i mean you're totally right everything's beautiful about this the backgrounds the the inking the color the lighting, the the like the angles of light on their face, and it's almost caricature. Like there's just a one click more of caricature in everybody's expressions and stuff like that because it's almost a it almost seems like it's a direct pull from uh, visual reference, and I can't blame them for trying to do that. Even even their, like, recollections of Kirk are spot on. They're beautiful. Um, the story is really, really good, and all of the background characters in that scene in the movie appear and have dialogue here. I thought that was badass. Anyway, a Klingon ship shows up and is, you know, giving them grief and Captain Harriman ends up doing what he needs to do and deciding not to leave Starfleet. You know, imagine that. It's your first command, and the living legend, Captain Kirk, is killed on just a little a little cruise around the around Jupiter. Like you're not going anywhere. And you 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 are never going to escape that personal damage. Uh yeah, it's just really, really something. Uh, to they, they end up, he ends up having you know with with a little bit of Ch- McCoy's help, uh, they end up capturing a Klingon crew, and they're like, okay, cool, yeah, we can stop this madness right now, and it's it's a cool way to replace uh, a little bit of the damage that happens to him so early in his in his career. Uh, the Sulu book basically. The preceding three stories are all about Starfleet captains who we have relatively nothing to go on. Is the it, last one I'm going to mention is a Sulu story who uh, we don't know too much about his captaincy except from a Voyager episode and Star Trek six. But um, of course it's Sulu and we know him very, very well. Captain of the Excelsior. He starts out uh, in a fencing match with one of his uh, crewmates, who is a lieutenant, and it's kind of interesting because it makes me think of uh, the episode "We'll Always Have Paris," where Captain Picard is fencing with uh, a, a lieutenant of all things. Um, but it's odd because I guess instead of deciding to take one of the characters that we are familiar with. The writer was like, let's introduce our own guy to bounce Sulu's ideas and conversations on. They get a request to show up uh, at precisely a a very specific time to receive a Tholian delegation. And the Tholians are obsessed with punctuality. 
they are on the way there and they get uh, held up by a rescue mission. Um, They get, they get to this situation that they have to rescue some people off of an Oberth class ship. This is where I get really pissed off. First things, first things first, you have this gloriously depicted Oberth class ship on a pristine, perfectly done view screen. You turn the page and in the center of it, the Oberth class ship has been replaced by the Enterprise. The Enterprise from the original series. And I was like, what was there? Space time distortion? What what the hell happened? I literally yeah. thought that because it's Star Trek. It could be anything. Yeah, why, not? why? And then you get into the next then this I thought was badass. Look at this. Look at this uh, like depiction of going to warp. It's just streaks. It's freaking um, gorgeous. That's gorgeous. And it's not even that I lazy. I do like that. It's not even that lazy bullshit manga like like you know flying uh, running real fast lines. But, like they use it with color. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Uh they get where they're going and the art just starts getting lazier and lazier and lazier through this. Uh, they're like, oh, hey, there's 12 enemy starships coming, and they just duplicated the same starship and put them out in a pattern. Now, and I'm now, like, hold uh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we start talking about artwork getting lazy, we do have to mention, I'm sure it still looks good, but do you think that this issue, the uh, editors made the uh, artist step on the gas? Uh, I'm going to say yes, because there is an extraordinarily fatal flaw uh, that happens again and again and again for the rest of the story. Um, every st- every when you're on the when you're on, in engineering on the Enterprise D, you're familiar with they having the master systems display uh, like a cross section of the Enterprise behind Geordi and Data where they Correct. can go and they can point at things. Yeah. OK, that. MSD appears on the bridge of a lot of ships. The oh. MSD on the Excelsior should not be the fucking Starship Enterprise. No. No, I get that it. That is so completely obviously not the Excelsior. So and it took me so far out of the story that I was like, do you guys even care? Because it just it appears at various sizes, at diff- depths. Our, our uh, it's just... Artists need like, a background as fast as possible. Pretty much. And I mean, even then, you're seeing the Excelsior exterior right there, and it doesn't look like what you have on the interior of the bridge. Otherwise, I mean, the characters, you know, these are people. I find people one of the hardest things in the world to illustrate. Uh, the, the characters, their uniforms, their expressions, their appropriate uh except for in one instance in the earliest part of the book where for whatever reason captain sulu has a rear admiral's rank on his sleeve and it's just like why the fuck did they do that it's just it's it's those dumb things that trek fans are going to notice but as soon as i started seeing these mistakes it took me completely out of it uh but basically there's going to end up being a war but the um 
The uh, but Sulu convinces the Tholians that 36 minutes of difference shouldn't mean anything, and nobody needs to die over it. And I was just like, well, all right, and the story just ends. But but is are all of these books a example of different styles of leadership? Um, I'm gonna say, oh, that's you know, yeah, that's that's a thing. I, I didn't think about it like that because I started getting more and more frustrated with these things. Um, yeah, Captain Pike was totally hands-on and was experiencing so much failure that he couldn't let things happen without being specifically involved in them, and that's how he got disabled. Uh, Captain Jellico has his just like, this is what I want, I want you to do exactly that, get it done. That's his entire command style. Uh, you know, I, I reward your ingenuity. Uh, that person had an outburst. They're off the ship. You know, like he just wants everybody to function as a tool. And uh, sometimes that's what's best for some people. And then you have like Captain Harriman's crippling self-doubt. But the only thing that's going to and even though Dr. McCoy is there giving him a hard time, he eventually comes down. And he's like, look, how can I not give you a hard time? You just killed my best friend. Uh, and you know what? You've got to find a way to fucking recover from this, buddy. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you do that. And I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or anything. I'm a doctor. I'm just a doctor. And he's, he's trying to help him out, and it freaking works. Uh, and leave it, leaving the opportunity for someone who might be a good captain not to be destroyed by, get, by you know, getting uh, kicked in the dick this early in his, his career. And then, yes, yeah, Sulu, um, his whole style is diplomatic. Everything about him is just like confidence and diplomacy. Like it totally works. I'm glad you asked that question because it didn't occur to me while I was reading these things. I was too invested in the all of these weird nuances, and uh, I don't usually get taken out of it like that. Maybe I've got too much riding on whether or not they're doing something right. I, I don't think that's a bad thing because uh, what you're really doing is. Uh, testifying to the book of Trek when it came to we expect results, we expect continuity, contiguity, we expect mm -hmm. this standard to be lived up to at all times. Yeah, and I think that's a, the unfortunate part of it that a lot of uh, a lot of Trek has just gone willy nilly for the last couple of years. Let's just do what we want to, you know. Uh, and every, you know, it, that, that's the crazy thing, you know. I, I think that's why there are so many uh, fan series, and they're all like, uh, "Well, you know, uh, I can do a I can do a better Star Trek story than they're doing with this right now, or whatever." Um, it's kind of incredible that people have put so much money and effort into those things, but well, it matters. There you have it. it I mean, can, can we? Can we get a license to be able to do something that everybody considers canon? Canon? Uh, no, no, we cannot. Canon. Probably, no, no, I think I think we should say it like canon. that. I think we should say it like that from now on. <laughs> right on, man. Anyway, that's what I've got on those things, dude. That was wonderfully insightful. Like that was. Uh, oh, only because you helped me out. I appreciate that. No, I didn't help you out with nothing, man. I just, I, I just, it's uh, Tony and I uh, when we talk about wrestling stuff. Uh, we always talk about the uh, spaces in between. Mm. And 
a lot of times when people are concentrated on one direction, uh, I mean, like, that's how we kind of started out, right, Tony? Like, spaces in between, like, how do we fix the shit? Yeah, pretty much. How do we fix the shit that we don't like, (laughs) you know, and, and, and make it work? Yeah, no, definitely, man. Freaking, you know, count up with little things here and there that, you know, like I said, make continuity stick and make make things make sense. No, uh, it's it's all good shit, man. Dude, I'm glad you circled back around to that. That's incredible. No, it's just it's just like we talk about all the time. It's storytelling, and we're not just talking about like, oh, Spider Man punched that guy. It was super cool. Like, oh, I'm Spider Man punches people that all the time. <sighs> What do you what do you say we uh, we got we can either two more books we can call it a night gentlemen what do you want to do you got any gas left I I in particular have to get up and move tomorrow so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go yeah, I appreciate uh, it though let's uh, yeah. let's uh, Gunslinger I only really had like five minutes to talk about that and Electra let's uh, let's talk about Electra when. Um, Devil's Reign is over, and you guys see what happened in the latest issue of. Uh, um, gotcha. It, yeah, it's, it's really chat my ass, man. Like, did that really happen? Like, it basically, something happened. Electra went and did something, came back, and someone said, "Hey, this happened." I'm like, what? What the fuck do you mean that just happened? Like, but I felt in my heart it was real. I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm looking past, like, and I'm going through all the other devil's race. Stuff. That didn't, that didn't happen yet. <laughs> like, mm. It was just some sort of manipulation, but it made so much sense that like, uh, yeah, but yeah, log off, man. Get to sleep. Tony, all right. Got, I'll Tony, see you guys later. New era stuff to talk about. I love it. Hey, uh, who's turn right. is it? I don't know. I did it last week, so Colin, take it. <laughs> this is dangerous. This transmission is over. Good night, mindfulness.